Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Welcome to Spotlight on Fightful. I am Steven Jensen. I am joined today by special guest, uh, kind of the utility guy here at Fightful. When we need a fill-in for Jeremy Lambert, SP3 is usually my go-to guy. Y'all know us from Degrassi Dudes together on Fightful Overbooked as well. And we're on the top of the show. Before we talk to SP3 a little bit, I do uh, want to make an announcement for anybody who may have missed it. I mean, the reason, of course, that Jeremy is not here today Um his father passed away um, this other day, and um, obviously our thoughts are are with Jeremy. Um, me and SP3, both. Um, I don't know if you had ever met him previously. I know I hadn't, but I, I you know, I got yeah. to meet uh, Jeremy's dad at Jeremy's wedding, uh, you know, last year, and um, he seemed like a really, really great guy. And I know it's something that <clears throat> you know Jeremy's been making a lot of trips out to him, and it's been it's been rough. I know, like in recent times, and. As someone who's lost a family member in the past, I, I, I there's no real words that I can say that they're going to help anything. Probably, I just want y'all to know, as like a community here at Fightful, um, Jeremy does a lot, a lot, a lot for a lot of us. Um, if it wasn't for him, this show wouldn't exist. Um, and I just want y'all to just kind of have his thoughts and whatever y'all do as far as like spiritually prayers, like anything that that kind of helps. Um, you know, shoot it over to Jeremy because I'm sure he could use it right now um yes much love to to jeremy and his family you know prayers love support to everyone in the family and his dad was uh, so cool and you know chopped it up with me and jeremy and uh, and the rest of us that were at jeremy's wedding so uh 
uh, Jensen, you know, got to got to know him. I got to know him. So definitely love and support to Jeremy, who's like one of my best friends in this yeah. whole community and such a kind, hardworking individual. And his dad is very proud of the man that he is today. So send that love uh, toward Jeremy right now. Yes, absolutely. And and thank everybody. Uh, thank y'all to everybody who's here um, early today with us. Uh, we're starting at 840 kind of technically. Um, normally, this is a 930 show. This is the third week in a row that we've done like an 830 start time for various reasons. Uh, the reason we're early today and kind of with no heads up. So sorry, but I didn't kind of get this out there earlier to y'all that we we're going to be starting early. But um but basically, what it comes down to is I saw I saw my shoot job at 11, so I wanted to make sure I was going to be here um, so we could still run an interview for y'all. Y'all will be hearing from Carmen Michaels. Um, that's going to be uh, coming up on uh, right around uh, right around 10 a.m. So Carmen Michael, rather Carmen Michael from uh, New South and uh, really all over the place. He's killing it all in the southeast, but really everywhere as a ring announcer, commentator. Uh, he's a really really nice guy and. Uh, it's a really good conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy. It's about 40 minutes long, and you'll be hearing that around 10 a.m., maybe 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time um, right here on the show. Um, outside of that, we have a lot of great stuff to talk about. We got, you know, our regular topics, but there's they're pretty stacked this week. There's a lot of big stuff going on this week in wrestling. Um, before we get into all that, SP3, anything else that you want to throw out there or talk about or say before we talk about the wrestler topics? Well, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate any time, you know, I'm called called into service uh, here on Fightful. I appreciate being the utility player. I, I call myself the Roderick Strong slash Angelo Dawkins slash Aaliyah of Fightful Overbook because Sean Ross Sapp and Jimmy Vance never going to call me up to the main roster. I'll be on the developmental brand for, <laughs> for a long time. So anytime I get a guest spot on main event, I'm always happy to be here, or I could job out to Jensen on Monday Night Raw. I'm always happy to be here on the spotlight and on uh, the main channel. Well, we love having you, man. And, you know, you're the first guy I you know, hit up about doing this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy you're available. So we got, uh, we got some good stuff to talk about. Um, and, yeah, without kind of any further ado, I don't think there's anything else to really deep deep dive into before we talk about the wrestling stuff. Um so yeah, let me hit one of these bumpers and we will jump right into it. Gotta make sure to hit the right one because Jer Jeremy's added so many of these, and I want to make sure because because obviously the first topic we're gonna we're gonna start it off right with this guy right here. I'm old and I'm fucking tired, and I work with fucking children. I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. So our first AW spotlight today is the official in ring return of CM Punk. Um, we knew this was happening, obviously. Me and Jeremy talked about it at length last week, and everybody across the wrestling world has been talking about this, um, you know, for really, I mean, for months and months and months at this point. But, you know, as of last week, we found out CM Punk's going to return at Collision in Chicago. And we now know officially that the main event of the show is going to include CM Punk. Uh, we're going to have Punk and FTR taking on Switchblade, um, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe. SP3, how do you feel about this matchup being announced? Obviously, CM Punk wrestling Chicago was pretty obvious it was going to happen, but we didn't know for sure until, with CM Punk especially, we don't know for sure until these things are announced. Um, and there was a lot of heavy rumors about CM Punk and Samoa Joe one-on-one, -on -one, which I imagine we could still probably get after this. They'll probably tease us here with the triple threat, or sorry, with the trios match. But 
That was really my one thing about this was I was like, I could see them maybe wanted to ease Punk in with the trios match instead of like a big one-on-one match. But I did expect Samoa Joe and CM Punk, some sort of version of that based on kind of what we've been hearing. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of where we're at with CM Punk and the return match? Yeah, I'm, like you, I kind of think it makes sense to ease Punk back in with a trios matchup just to see where he is, where he doesn't have to do a lot of the work involved in the matchup. And it also, you know, helps out with teasing the potential bigger matchups for CM Punk in the future, whether that's against Switchblade Jay White, whether that's against Samoa Joe. Uh, I think that the the Joe-Punk matchup was probably the best possible uh, main event for the first collision like I understand if there's some people like oh it's an all-star tag team this is not the the big time matchup that you know the dynamites usually have that you're going to attract people for that first episode of collision but you have a lot of star power in this and it puts you know switchblade Jay White in a higher position because I like many people on social media and doing you know analysts and reviewing shows have been very critical of how Tony Khan has booked switch play Jay White in his first two months with the company. I feel like you got a main eventer, a guy that headlined the Tokyo Dome this year, and you've been treating him like an upper mid-carder to mid-carder at best since he came into the company. But, Before, you know... I, sorry, yeah. I wanted your quick thoughts because I don't want to forget about this. How do you feel about him versus Ricky Starks last night? Because Ricky Starks had him dead to rights, and then it was just like the ref bump, which is what saved him, which kind of is kind of to prove your point even more. Yeah, it was like it was like they couldn't just have him win clean against Ricky Starks. They had to set some other stuff up like the ref bump and, you know, the guns coming in, hitting 310 to Yuma. Although I think I'm maybe in the minority here. I think that the guns with the bullet club guns, bullets, <laughs> right. makes a whole lot of sense because also it's the fact that Switchblade JY and you saw it last week with the in-ring promo, which... I thought it was another another booking malpractice that it took him two months to give Jay White a live in-ring promo when his whole thing that made him the hot free agent that WWE wanted is because he was the rare guy outside of WWE that was a great character and a great in-ring promo, and it took him two months to give him an in-ring promo. So I was just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are, why are we doing all these you know backstage pre-tapes when Jay White should be speaking in front of the fans? And you saw how well that came across last week but it's also to the point where i saw that promo last week i was like he's just so cool i don't i don't see how people are gonna boo him for that long if they want him to be a type a top heel but putting the guns with the bullet club gold i think would be the right move like i slept on it i thought about it like many people i thought it was a flat finish to what was a really good matchup between ricky starts and switchblade because of the ref bump and everything but as i slept on it and thought about it i think it is the right move to make sure bullet club gold gets some heat but as far as like the six-man tag i think that it's it's a wise decision to ease punk back in and then it saves the punk versus joe match for potentially maybe uh london for wemley stadium i personally we had um andrew zarian on in the Wees yesterday with me and joel pearl and he said he already heard what the main event was and i legitimately called five out of the the six players in this matchup my idea was to do uh cmftr versus bullet club gold with kenta 
because that mm. plays into you could potentially do Punk versus Kenta at Forbidden Door. But I wouldn't even mind that being the matchup for Forbidden Door because that fits the mold on what we got a lot of the matches last year where it was like one or two New Japan people in there with AEW and they just said, it's a Forbidden Door match. So that would have fit the build as well if you want to continue to ease Punk into this whole thing. But I think that, you know, putting Joe in there is playing into the fact that that's going to be the main event feud on Collision. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. How, how do you think this affects like Ring of Honor with Samoa Joe? Because I also feel like there's, I mean, obviously the bigger money and like way more people are going to see Samoa Joe versus CM Punk and AEW, like obviously. But like, I also, there's something in the back of my mind. It's like, man, if they could get CM Punk in like one big Ring of Honor pay-per-view, like if they do CM Punk, Samoa Joe and, and something like that, like especially, which once again, I don't think you want to, I don't even want, I don't want to sound harsh by saying this. You don't want to like waste it on Ring of Honor if you could like sell out, you know, or it's going to be a part of like a sellout Wembley Stadium or something like that. I, I understand the business differences there, but um, with CM Punk coming back, like I really do want to see him as a part of the Ring of Honor brand at least at least a couple times. Like I mean, with this history there, and I also love that uh, Jeremy Padauer from um, from Jazzwares, he's been putting out teasers about Ring of Honor action figures coming out soon. It's like. So I feel like Ring of Honor is going to get more and more kind of spotlight going forward. I think they're doing really good, by the way, with like kind of the position that they've found themselves in um, in the wrestling landscape. Like they've actually found a space that works well for them um, being kind of the in-between between AEW, the Indies and like really between the Indies and AEW is kind of like a good in-between. Yeah. Um, and it's a good, I shouldn't even call it an in-between. It's like a destination for a lot of wrestlers. Like I've actually talked to quite a few wrestlers that are currently unsigned that have flat out told me like, I'd rather get signed to ROH than AEW. Like I've always loved ring of honor. Like I've grown up a ring of honor fan. I've always wanted to work in ring of honor. Like, and they're not like, I wouldn't take an AEW contract. They're not, you know, they're not saying that, but they're saying like, if it came down to it and someone offered me an ROH contract, I'm not sitting there like holding out for something better. Like I've always wanted to work for ring of honor, you know? So like, I, uh, I, that's just something that's been in the back of my mind too, is like, we'll see, I'm pumped punk coming back i would like to see him involved in ring of honor to some degree especially because we see samoa joe so heavily involved in that brand i think slowly but surely what you're going to hear more and more from the independent stars is them start talking about ring of honor the same way five six years ago independent stars talked about nxt where they weren't necessarily, you know, of course, WWE was always the big dream for a lot of the independent stars, but a lot of the independent stars wanted to start off in NXT because they were creating that buzz. They were like the, the hot kind of super indie fed uh, at that time, like six, seven years ago. And people wanted to start there before they even get to the WWE main roster. And I think that's going to be what it's similar kind of works for ring of honor. Um, I, I would say I think the way to kind of bring everything together where you're helping out Collision and helping out Ring of Honor is if this is a slow burn type of feud between Samoa Joe and CM Punk. I don't know how they can do that because as we as been established in various reports, the ticket sales for a lot of the collisions after Chicago have been very slow moving. So you're going to have to book some big matches there. And I don't know if you segue kind of big matches per se with just punk doing singles matches, whether it's against juice Robinson and, you know, guys like that on that level, you might have to do a Samoa Joe versus CM Punk matchup on an episode of collision. You never know. You can't save it for the pay-per-view maybe, but if they can and make it a slow build, I would love for punk to do to uh, Joe to do a big, 
beatdown segment on Punk, like say in July, and then that segues into CM Punk just showing up at Death Before Dishonor, maybe as a surprise to interfere and distract Samoa Joe, and that leads to Mark Briscoe, who I think is the the most likely and should be the next Ring of Honor television champion, and that could be your way to protect Joe, where he's distracted by Punk and he loses the ROH TV title, so then he's free to kind of just focus on the Punk feud on Saturdays. I like that. All that would make sense if it was if it was presented that way. And I also want to mention something that you just touched on briefly too about the collision um, ticket sales. I know that that's been kind of a talking point on on Twitter that I've noticed um, <clears throat> people mentioning. Well, yeah, of course, like the Chicago show is is going to kill it, and they have CM Punk and everything. But like after that, it things we don't really know. Um, yeah. I will say, you know. And people know my view on my a lot of my views on CM Punk. I don't particularly love the guy, but like I'm not one of these people that's saying he should never return. Like I, he, he's back. It is what it is, and I think that it's going to be really good television. At the very least, it's incredibly interesting. At the very least, and but I want to I want to keep it real and get you know I, I I will say like I don't think that CM Punk is to blame for like if there are low ticket sales going forward for Collision like. You can put some of that on Punk because he's being brought in literally to be a draw. Like the only reason to br- to bring CM Punk back at this point, in my opinion, is like is the business side. Like because he sells tickets or he's supposed to be selling tickets. He's um, he sells merchandise. He's very famous. You know, it just it is that that's why he's being brought back, and that's why Tony Khan. A big reason I'm sure why Tony Khan has kind of put up with and handled the situation the way that he has. I feel like if this was pretty much any performer that wasn't CM Punk or maybe like the elite. I don't think that you bend over backwards like this for somebody create new yeah. shows and, and all this stuff that's happened. Um, now that said, it's on AEW. It's on Tony Khan and AEW to like, you can't just rely on CM Punk as like collision sales aren't going great. So like it's on CM Punk. And I'm not saying that's what the company's saying, but this fan base kind of is. And I, I want to, we got to be honest about that too. Like that's, that's on AEW. Like in, and that's one of the fears I have about CM Punk's return is like if it doesn't go well or he gets injured again or whatever happens, you know, to where he might not be on the show long. I've, I, I have no idea. I'm hoping because I love AEW. I'm hoping Punk is healthy mentally and physically. He comes out, he just kills it. And we get a, just an awesome like next like three years or whatever out of Punk. Like, I, you know, that's honestly what I want. I don't want to sit here and be bitter about it. We're at where we're at with everything. And but it, it but it just needs to be really clear that like even if you're the biggest CM Punk hater in the world, you can't put low ticket sales going forward on just him because like, he's not, he's one guy at the end of the day. Like they have this whole company and this whole brand and they're pretty much doing like a soft brand split. It feels like with collision and all this. So just wanted to throw that out there too. I see, I just seen a lot of people kind of blaming punk and I, I, I would, I would, I would agree if this was Chicago, like if, if they weren't doing well selling tickets to Chicago right now with all this announced, then I'd be like, okay, there's like an actual real problem with that. Cause even the Chicago crowd isn't interested in punk. Like that would be a real problem, but I think it's going to be on them with the writing. And would you agree or disagree? I think, I, I know initially they're going to try to run, run punk in as a, as a baby face, but like, I feel like he has to turn heel soon. Yeah, they have to they have to eventually go that route. And what they need to do is kind of ease Punk back in. And there it's gonna be on Tony Khan one hundred percent if we never get this CM Punk FDR versus the Elite or CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. Because 
those are the biggest possible matchups. If you don't, if you're not even thinking of that as an option, then you shouldn't be the booker of this company if you're Tony Khan. Because right. I, I know that everything is very, you know, testy right now and you're doing the, the soft brand split to keep everybody separated. But it should be kind of a cooling down period of bringing Punk in, seeing how he interacts with the with the locker room on collision. And then eventually you want to have these guys sit in a room and find out how you can do that. And that's the best way for Punk to make that transition into being a heel because he's going to be the heel against the 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 guys that basically created this company and he's come in and he's run roughshod and he had all those personal things to say and there's so much real life animosity that they can take advantage of and that will be the type of program that will be the type of program what the bloodline storyline is for WWE. It's a program where the rising tide lifts all ships where WWE, I'll be honest with you. When I watch SmackDown a lot, it's the bloodline and everybody else It's Diana Ross and the pimps. That's what it is. That's what it is a lot of times with WWE. And I, I would even argue at some point it was the bloodline was the, the black band playing the music on the Titanic. Everything's going down behind them, but we're distracted because <laughs> this music is really, really good. So like, it can be like that if they if they do it right with Punk and the Elite. That can be the rising tide that causes more ticket sales to happen for Collision, causes more ticket sales for Dynamite, where the last couple of weeks of Dynamite haven't sold that well and wasn't that filled up, wasn't sold out. They can they can get all these ticket sales that they need. They can uh, really kind of rev things up for what should be the biggest summer of AEW's entire existence. But they have to eventually kind of broach the topic of CM Punk and the Elite having a program. And I definitely agree with you 100%. The people that are just putting the collision lack of ticket sales on CM Punk is very disingenuous. It's very, it's very much people that have an issue with CM Punk and want to point the finger to him. Or you have on the other side of the spectrum the people that are just AEWs in the mud type of things. Right. And it's just it's scorch, it's scorch earth every time something goes wrong for AEW. Oh, I told you they're a t-shirt company, those type of people, which I don't listen to either one of those sides. I kind of stay in the middle ground where I can see everything from each side of the perspective. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And, and also, you know, as you mentioned, th- this uh, this summer is massive for AEW. Like, with the storylines that they have brewing and the people that they are probably going to be bringing in and the the multiple shows and, like, all in and all out being, like, back-to-back. And, I mean, there's, like, there's a lot going on. And this is – I'm definitely not going to say this is make or break for AEW because it isn't. Like, they're established. They're I think they're going to be fine either way. I mean, um, but this – I talked about this with Doug online on live rounds a little bit on Tuesday, but I think that what CM Punk provides, I don't think that CM Punk is necessary to AEW. Like in all honesty, I think AEW is fine with or without CM Punk. I and I think it's been proven that you know these dynamite shows and what they've been doing since he's been gone. I think AEW's television show is fantastic. Like they, I don't think they need CM Punk. But what I do think is that having CM Punk, it does raise the ceiling of like potential of like how big the company can get in the short term you know what i mean it's like it's like you if you can only get this big without cm punk you can get this big with him you know what i mean like that just it makes it the potential for your company to be 
to be bigger and better and more profitable and just have more boom and buzz and everything you. So I, 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 I'm not ignorant to these things either. Like I, I understand it and I've said it a thousand times. CM Punk's on-screen run in AEW was awesome. Like the MJF feud especially was one of my favorite feuds like ever in wrestling with the dog collar match and everything. The stuff with Eddie Kingston was incredible. I love the return with Darby. Um, there's a lot more stuff. I mean, even it was even cool to see him mix it up with Lee Moriarty. Like it was just something I never thought I'd see before. You know, and Lee Moriarty hit him with a Pepsi twist also during that match. I'll never forget that. It was just like, damn, this is like just stuff I never thought I'd see. So um, if, if, if they can get this all worked out, like you said, Punk versus uh, Punk versus the Elite. <clears throat> that's the or FTR and Punk rather versus the Elite. Like that's the the big big money, and that would be the best thing that I could possibly put together. Hopefully they'll be able to get there um, at some point. Um, I do want to read a super chat real quick. Anybody who uh, sends super chats, we will make sure to put them up on the screen where we had them out. Um, we really appreciate all the support, and we appreciate everyone who's just in the chat in general. Um, I can't obviously uh, you know respond to everything in the live chat, but I am keeping my eye on it. And I do really appreciate the feedback um, as we go through these topics. Um, first super chat of the day comes from Tom Talks Rubbish, a good friend of ours, says, thank you for being nice people. You all amazing. Oh, sorry. You're all amazing. Uh, wouldn't be here. Uh, I'm, I can't read today. Couldn't be, wouldn't be where I am today without you guys. I'm so sorry, Tom. Thank you very much for the super chat, man. Um, Tom is a great dude. You should check out his work. Um, yeah. We've both been interviewed by him i believe i know i have i'm yes. sure you have as well um, yes uh, i think i think a few times tom is really great at uh what he does with his interviews he asks very interesting questions and he always does it with like content creators and people in the wrestling media space that you might not know about i know i discovered a lot of different people from tom's interviews so definitely go out of your way to check out what he does his work is really good yes very good guy tom and um and, and um, like Tom, if y'all send super chats, we appreciate that. We'll make sure to address all of them. And uh, please hit the like button and the uh, the subscribe button. We'd appreciate it, especially on a day like today where, you know, a lot of people probably don't even know we're live at the moment. So we appreciate is anyone who's who's here early with us kind of on late notice and with like the change, you know, kind of last minute with what's going on with Jeremy. And, you know, here, I want to make this very clear, by the way. Um, not that I don't think anyone would even think otherwise, but I just want to make this really clear. Um, I'm the kind of person where like when you're going through something like what Jeremy's going through, like that's what's important. I, I, I try to make it really clear to him yesterday, like don't do anything that has to do with the show. Don't even think about it. Like I'll take care of everything. Just do what you got to do. Like, and that's how I, I, there, there are some things that are just so much more important than, than wrestling or, or, or media or whatever. And like, I just want to make that really clear for, for everyone. It was one of those things where, when I found out about was, you know, I knew I've known for a while that Jeremy's been dealing with this with like, I know his dad's been struggling for a minute. Like it's, we've, yeah. we've known that, but the, 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 the death was like, was really sudden. It was something that uh, like full disclosure, me and Jeremy were going to do an interview together and everything was looking good. And then like on a dime, it was like, Hey man. And it was like, and I started hearing from, you know, from his wife, I won't pull the curtain back too much. And it was like, so this all happened really quick for all of us so like we appreciate y'all as viewers for like tuning in and the and like the the non-announced early time i appreciate sp3 for you know filling in but at the end of the day what's most important is jeremy just chilling and doing what he's got to do to to get right you know so um i know there's more people in the chat now than when we started i just want to let everybody know jeremy is is not here because his father his father did unfortunately pass away the other day so um 
all of our thoughts and everything. This whole show, you know, it's even hard to do this show because that's in the back of my mind so much at the moment. But, yeah. um, you know, so just wanted everyone in the chat to know because there's more people in than when we started. Um, now that said, SP3. Um, if, uh, as far as like the CM Punk stuff, is there anything you want to add with CM Punk? Because I do want to move on to the next AEW topic here in a second. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested and I'll ask you kind of what they're going to do with CM Punk because he's coming back basically eight days before Forbidden Door. So are they going to maybe announce something on like a dynamite or a rampage for him? Is Do you think that maybe we'll have someone like a Kenta? I think Kenta is the mm -hmm. one that everybody's talking about on social media. And, you know, I've heard you say it before that AEW is your favorite promotion. My favorite promotion yeah. is New Japan Pro Wrestling. I have never sure. made that a secret. I do a podcast on it over on Wrestling. I do coverage on it on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel that it doesn't always get the highest amount of views, but I do it because I love talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I say that as a preference to say, this is not the Kenta from 2006. So the people that I feel like the people that are asking for a CM Punk and Kenta matchup are thinking of Kenta from 2006 and not the Kenta that has been basically a just a slightly higher quality of matchup than Evil and Toriyanu. Like, Ooh, that, I didn't know that, it was like that. Yeah, I didn't know it's it was like, like that. that. It's like that. If you watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I hope there is some fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling in the, in the chat that can, can back me up on this kenta hasn't been you know making waves with great matches as of late when he's in pro wrestling noah he shows a little bit more when he's in the independent scene he shows a little bit more but this ain't the kenta that was having five-star matches with brian danielson when i first discovered him this ain't right. the kenta who made me watch pro wrestling noah and he was having five-star classes with kenta kobashi masawa and marifuji it ain't that guy it, it it's to a lesser extent it is basically kenta in in the in the form of hideo hatami so Ooh, people okay. need to realize that before they are like begging be like oh when's kenta and punk happening i'm just i every time i see that on social media i'm like you don't watch new japan right which is fair <laughs> which is very fair I, and i think that uh that's interesting you say that because a lot of people because this already did happen long enough ago that there are a lot of people that are newer fans that probably don't even really understand kind of what what you're getting at with all that because for people who don't know kenta was he was like viewed as like pretty much the most dangerous guy in wrestling pre WWE. Like what he was doing in, in Noah, like you said, against those legends and his team with Marfuji as well. Yes. And like those guys were killing it. Then when he came to the States, that's when I started noticing him as well. Having matches with guys like Danielson, um, I discovered him when he went to Ring of Honor. When he went exactly. to Ring of Honor in 2006, that was when I was, like, really in. Like, I discovered Ring of Honor through, ironically, uh, the Samoa Joe and CM Punk series from 2004 into 2005. That really made me pay attention to Ring of Honor when I was just, like, 16 years old in high school. And I was getting very kind of diluted with everything wrestling because mainly it was just WWE at the time. The thing that made me a wrestling fan again was discovering cm punk and samoa joe's trilogy in 2004 and then i followed ring of honor ring of honor off and on and then really got into it like 
2006 and it was due to you know marifuji and kenta and kenta kobashi coming over into ring of honor mixing it up with the samoa joes of the world the brian danielson's of the world the nigel mcginnis's and that's what really kind of made me go to my first independent show at the end of 2006 the first show i ever went to was final battle 2006 and a lot of that was down to the first dvd i had for ring of honor was glory by honor this show is sponsored by better help if you had an extra hour in your day what is the first thing that you would do read a book take a nap play some video games do something for a friend volunteer a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time but the question is time for what and if it was unlimited how would you go about using it The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash fightful it's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with better help that's betterhelp.com slash fightful 2006 with one of my favorite roh matches of all time kenta versus brian danielson for the ring of honor world championship and that's a, that's the thing like i just feel like people are just so enamored with the fact that punk used go to sleep and they're like oh this is a match i've always wanted to see and i'm just like this ain't the match you thought you were going to see, though. That's, right. that's the thing. I think it, that's definitely... A, I'm glad you're bringing that up, though, because, like, on paper, it makes a lot of sense to do Kenta versus Punk. But if, you know, but if Kenta's not operating that level... Because I will say he is operating a pretty high level based on what I've been seeing him do, like, outside of New Japan. But I haven't seen yeah. a ton of him on New Japan lately, I'll be completely honest. Um, So it's one of those things where, like, and people also need to understand, I won't go too deep into this, but to, to, to the level of like how big of a deal Kenta was before he signed with WWE, like they did a whole press conference in Japan where they brought in Hulk Hogan and like they did this, this giant like red carpet, you know, we're signing the biggest kind of available Japanese star that there is to the WWE. And they, you know, slowly, like, they changed him over to Hideo Itami. And then I, I'll never forget him losing to Tyler Breeze with the, with the, with the spinning heel kick or the whatever he called the beauty shot. And I was like, yes. ooh, this is different. I remember thinking that. Because, like, Tyler Breeze was fine, especially for, like, the system. He worked really well for what NXT was. Like, Tyler Breeze was a really successful NXT, um, like, project or whatever you want to call it. Especially, like, he got to wrestle Juice and Liger and stuff. Like, Tyler Breeze was a big deal in NXT. It, it wasn't, like, a big deal. But but I remember at the time that it happened, Breeze hadn't been, like, that well established. And Kenta was Kenta. And I remember him losing just straight up to the beauty shot in an NXT takeover. And I was like, ooh, they might not view Kenta kind of how I thought they did. Because then right around that time, people forget. At least I, if, I, if I remember correctly, I might have forgotten. 
Kenta in storyline was the one who brought Finn Balor in to fight off the Ascension, right? Yep. So you're right. And, and there was also that was, that was the era of them introducing the guys under their independent names, and, and then, then it they would, would point to the Titan yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. would always change. He was starting yeah. out, he come out, Kenta, he pointed to the Titan It was Hideo Tommy. If Balor came in, it was Prince Devin, and then it said Finn Balor. And I, I remember mm-hmm. that era of NXT 100%. And yeah, so. You know, and then there was, you know, others obviously that got signed around that time, like the like big names like Steen and Generico and that kind of stuff. And like, so Kenta kind of got, he got brought in as what looked like kind of the centerpiece. And he, he honestly, I don't, I can't remember if he or Generico signed first with the company. Generico did. Generico did. Generico did. Yeah. But because but Generico Ken- had that rivalry with Claudio before they even came to WWE Network. And, that's right. And- Hateo Tommy, those guys. It was basically it was just Zayn and and Pac Neville right. at the time that were like signed before the WWE Network era, and then they added Tommy Balor and Owens after. Right, right, and that was you know, in kind of my point is that it seemed like that that Kento was going to be like kind of the centerpiece of of these signings like even as it was happening like when kenta brought in balor it was a big deal it was like oh wow now prince devitt's here but that's also when i started to see that shift i was like oh like they're they're bringing in like big stars from other countries now like finn balor like prince devitt was a very big deal obviously in japan so it was like oh wait so they're but but kenta was like the first real big one in my opinion obviously generico was was huge for them to have him but it was it was a the landscape was just a lot different back then with like the distribution of like independent wrestling and 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 what was going on in Noah like they had a ton of buzz at the time and like so anyway it's different times different perspectives but uh, the point is that I agree with you that Hideo Itami never really like reached any anything close to what we expected in WWE at least what I expected at a certain point he was just wrestling for like the cruiserweight title and on like two hundred five live and you're like damn like how did this even happen. Um, and that was so, considered uh, an upgrade at that time. That was an right. upgrade for him. And he never even won the Cruiserweight Championship. I thought that was right. a foregone conclusion when he started working on 205 Live. And then he never even made it to that title. When I knew he was doomed was, this is a little, this is unfair to say, because it's, it's, once again, all this is in hindsight. But like, when they, I think it was WrestleMania 31. Was that the one in, in California? Yeah, that was the yeah. one where, where Rollins won the title at the end of the show. Yeah. That, I'm pretty sure that was the pay-per-view where they did the Andre Battle Royal or whatever, and Kenta just like came out like with the group. And I was I like, remember that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they didn't even like mention that this guy's like even in the match. And I figured like his introduction to the WWE crowd was gonna be like a big deal, and it was literally nothing. I was like, oh no, like they just see him differently. Like it just it's it is what it is. Um that said, as far as like punks a punk match at forbidden door. I mean, on paper, once again, I get, I get the, the want for a Kento match, a Kenta match, especially as Kent is outspoken too, about not liking that CM Punk has stolen his move. Um, But I mean, there's a lot of good options. Like who, who do you think would be the, do you think we get a singles match as forbidden door with punk? Or do you think it's another CM FTR match? I could see it being a CMFTR match. That's that's the yeah. way I would do if you want to bring Kenta in. The the thing that makes sense is him join 
Bullet Club Gold against FTR. And then the matchup on Collision is basically to build to that because it seems like they've been already started the build for Joe to have a different matchup at Forbidden Door with Zack Sabre Jr., the Battle of the Island Boys, Joseph of the Samoas versus Zack of the Sheppies, who's the better TV <laughs> who's the better TV champion? They've been building that on Ring of Honor television for the for over the past month. So I would love to for them to pay that off and to really kind of show that they have been building to this whole uh you know forbidden door uh pay-per-view for a while now. And I think that would be like a nice little you know dream matchup to have underneath the the big major ones that we're gonna talk about. And with punk, I think you still gotta ease punk back into this whole fold and CMFTR seems like the most logical way to do it unless you want to do FTR versus Bishamon but then you're once again going to be having you know the title swap of uh, an AEW star having a New Japan title or a New Japan star having an AEW title and that was kind of what a lot of people felt was one of the kind of setbacks with Forbidden Door where you know you didn't always have FTR over in Japan defending the championship you haven't had Kenny Omega in Japan defending the IWGP US Championship so I don't know what they're going to do with that all regard if you're going to do a singles match someone else who I don't think is the same person that they were even like a year ago or a year and a half ago but I would probably prefer that since we were already supposed to get that I would say Punk versus Tadahashi because yeah. Tadahashi still knows how to work. He still knows how to step up in these big spots. Despite him being a lot slower and his knees completely being ruined, he was able to have a great match with Will Ospreay at Resurgence just a month ago, just a few weeks ago, pretty much. He was able to have a great match uh, out a bit. Though, uh, you know, a, a lot down in quality from what we're used to with him with Okada at Battle in the Valley this year. So he's had great matches this year. I think he can be someone that can have a great match with CM Punk. And he's not doing anything too flashy or too, you know, off the wall that's going to make Punk look bad in comparison. So I think that that would be all right because Tadahashi has proven this year that he can have great matches. Kenta. In the and in New Japan, he hasn't been able to do that. In Noah, he had a great matchup, but that was in a tag team format. I know in Defy, he just won the Defy Championship, beating Nick Wayne. I didn't hear about the quality of that matchup, but I did hear that he used the usual Kenta shenanigans of a low blow to get the win. So Title belt. Yeah, we'll talk about that a yeah. little bit during the indie spotlight for sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm used to that. When I heard that was the result, I was like, okay, that makes sense. It's Kenta. Um, so, yes. so I think Tadahashi has proven this year he can have a great matchup. That's about what CM Punk was about when he was in AEW, having great matchup. It's about the story you tell in the ring. It's about psychology. It's about the selling. And Tadahashi is a master at all those things. There you go. I uh, Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I think that both those scenarios make a lot of sense. Those, that, those are both good potential uh, matchups and scenarios. Oh, those are all good. I should say rather potential matchups scenarios for, uh, for forbidden door. Thank you again to Tom uh, Tosh Roberts. Thank you so much, man. Um, another super chat says my interview with Jimmy van drops tomorrow. Y'all go check yes. that out. Jimmy van, of course, very important over here at fightful.com. Um, other AW spotlight. Um, we had a, in my opinion, a really good back and forth segment last night between MJF and Adam Cole. It was, 
I wasn't sure where, where it was heading when uh, MJF came out to the ring last night and he started talking about how there was like no one left for him to wrestle. It kind of was like the gist of his promo was like, I've, I've beaten everybody like who's left kind of thing. And that led me to believe I was like, oh, wait, who's from New Japan's about to come out here? They're going to start building MJF's Forbidden Door match now because they they've obviously announced some of the other Forbidden Door stuff that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. But um but I also, in the back of my mind, was like, Adam Cole clearly is being positioned as, as the number one contender coming off the Jericho feud and stuff. So when Adam Cole's music hit, it wasn't surprising. I was like, okay, so they are going to go to MJF versus Adam Cole next. Like, that's, I'm totally fine with that. This is clearly was the direction. Let's do it. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, I thought Adam Cole held his own really, really well in the microphone last night, which can be really hit or miss against a guy like MJF, because MJF, like, he's going to just destroy some people, but... I think Adam Cole did really well. Um, I thought they both did for what it's worth. I thought, you know, I thought they both came across like MJF came across like a dick and Adam Cole came across like a dude who was out there able to defend himself, who was willing to fight MJF, who and MJF looked like a coward, which is like the whole point. Um, so how do you feel about, um, I guess, the segment last night? And then knowing that MJF versus Adam Cole is right around the corner. And then more importantly, after giving your thoughts on that, like, do you, as I've seen, I've seen both schools of thought on this. Like there's people who believe MJF's and there's people who believe both. I'm actually in this, in the boat, in the, 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 both categories here. I believe that MJF's title run needs to be longer, but I also think it's like really important. Adam Cole wins the title. If he's going to get another shot, because if they want to make him in the same kind of position as the elite, as hangman page, like that, those kind of guys, he can't keep losing these big title matches and stuff. Cause he has had big opportunities he won the Owen, which is uh, which is a big deal, but it's different than winning the AEW World Title, obviously. Um, so SP3, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Last night's segment, knowing that this is next, and do you think that Adam Cole needs to win this, or does MJF retain when, when this does happen? I think that this was a wise decision to put Adam Cole against uh, MJF because the one thing that people were down about with the Four Pillars uh, story was the fact that you had three guys who just really couldn't compete with MJF on the mic and didn't feel like top stars all the time that MJF was going against. With Adam Cole, you kind of check the box with both of that. He feels like a top star that's going against uh, MJF a bit, you you know, he is a, a not the same, uh, you know, viewed in the same light as he was in NXT or in Ring of Honor. And I love the fact that they addressed that in this promo where basically MJF told them in ROH, you was the man, homie. What the? What happened to you? Like, like right. he hit him with the with the fifty line. I thought said. that was I thought that was great. Like he was like, I I fell in love with you. And MJF is just so good at that at just building his his opponent up and then tearing them down little by little. Like this is not the guy that's standing in front of me. So what happened? He's like, you went from the planet the Panama Playboy to the Panama Game Boy, and Britt Baker can't leave the house without her your testicles in her purse like i love that i love all those things that mjf said both to big up and praise and build up adam cole and make him feel like a worthy adversary for him but i also love the stuff that he put that he was basically a twitter troll with everything yeah. he was saying with the with the Britt baker stuff with oh what happened to your body your body used to look like a like a champion and all that stuff it I, just fits his I, character so much i love the line that um when he said 
the the whole line about you know and then the bell rings and i was like that was what that, he said to carry and cross on nxt i was like oh my god he actually like those were those were deep cuts for hardcore fans which is great for us seeing that stuff. yeah yeah because he kept he kept doing that he he used three of adam cole's catchphrases where he was like you you know i saw you in ring of honor i even saw your work in czw and then you went to florida and you shocked the system yep. and he was like you were the best champion in that promotion's history and that my friends is undisputed and then hit him with the, and then what how do they make me look cool they just ring the freaking bell i yeah. love that he was just like needling him with the little lines and i i liked cole's kind of response back but i feel like mjf definitely won this round of back and forth but i love cole you know coming back saying that mjf is scared to fight saying that Britt baker could probably beat him up he was like you know the reason you talk about my body is my body of work and you can't compete with that and he was like i would love for us to go backstage and pee in a cup and see who's right. natural at this stuff so I love his little comebacks for the baby face that he was. And I know there was people that were saying, oh, maybe it was a little bit too long. But I think it needed to be that long to create the narrative and everything. And I do agree with you that Adam Cole has had multiple attempts at the AEW World Championship. So this being probably going to be his third chance to get the AEW World Championship, he is probably at that point where he needs to either win or not get a shot for a very very long time and i think aew is addressing that in trying to make him look like a very credible challenger despite the fact that he probably won't win is the fact that they're doing the matchup the eliminator matchup next week i was very surprised by that when they uh, made that announcement at the end of the show they're really trying to stack up this washington dc show because they're going to be in a bigger arena 10,000 seater at the capital one arena that's the arena that they first were in for the first ever dynamite i was there live for that and i think that they're really kind of building this up with big matches and the fact that they have this match on there i think that is i think that cole is either going to beat mjf outright or they go to like a 20 minute 30 30 minute time limit draw where he looks like he's the biggest challenge of MJF's title reign. And I think they can do it as a slow burn. I don't know if they're going to do it at forbidden door. Cause I don't think that kind of fits the right. forbidden door kind of, kind of I feel the same template. way. Yeah. Right. So I, I would love for them to do maybe something like Adam Cole and Sonata versus MJF and a challenger for new Japan. I think that would be, you know, a way to further build it up. You can also give Adam Cole that win in a tag team matchup against MJF at Forbidden Door. And then you have more stuff to talk about for the next month and a half, two months before you get to Wembley Stadium and then do Cole and MJF there. I would love for them to do it in that way. I think that this is going to be a longer program, but you need Adam Cole. It's very similar to where Christian was before his matchup with Kenny Omega at All Out 2021, where Christian needed that win against uh, Kenny Omega to win the Impact World Championship to build him up and make him seem like a formidable challenge for Kenny Omega's title at All Out. And that helped him a lot. It still didn't prevent people from assuming that Kenny Omega was going to get the win, but it was a needed kind of point of the story to get him to the pay-per-view. So I think with Cole, he needs that, but I do see MJF winning in the long run. I, I feel the same way. And I think that's the, that's probably the best route of doing it. I would have Adam Cole beat MJF in the eliminator. Cause that also, 
and some people might not like the idea of that and i get it like trust me because they've done a good job of protecting mjf and like you don't want to see your champion lose i got i'm the kind of person where i don't like scenarios where like the u.s champion loses their title and then they're immediately put in the world title mix and stuff like that it seems counterproductive it seems backwards to me um and this is kind of be kind of similar when you know the the champion loses a non-title match and you're like well damn it kind of feels like the champion like you shouldn't be like the champion anymore like they just got beat you know so i get that but AEW, to my knowledge has anyone won an eliminator match that like i think i think they um they had penta and eddie kingston beat the young bucks that's right uh, in jacksonville before their first show back on the road at road rager in 2021 um other than that though as far as like the world title eliminator i don't think they've really done the world champion losing in that fashion and that's why i think that it might be time to do that especially with the fact that mjf hasn't been pinned since double or nothing last year He's going on a full he's over yeah. a full year of not being pinned in the ring. So I think it is time to create some doubt a little bit and show that somebody can beat him. And that will stop the whole kind of narrative that he's trying to spin as far as there's no competition for him. Now you have legitimate competition that has proven he can beat you. Right. And and I think that it's like it's fine if Adam Cole beats MJF in an eliminator match because like we just said, the company has been around for what, like four years at this point. And the, the maybe once since they've done any eliminators for like any of these titles has the, like, cause it's not a regular thing. It'd be different if it was like often we got eliminator matches and we were constantly seeing that the champions losing on title matches. It'd be, that would be frustrating and confusing and probably hurt business in my opinion. But if it's happening once every four years or whatever then it's like okay like that's the whole that's the entire point of the match type is sometimes the champion is going to lose and that's how you create the new number contender like that's you know so i i think it's totally fine if we go that route um especially depending on how they do it and another thing with adam cole and this, i give him a lot of credit for last night's uh back and forth with, M- with mjf because it's granted Cole's a professional. They're putting him in this spot for a reason. He's obviously incredibly talented, and they they have a lot of faith in him as a heel or a babyface, obviously. But the it's got to be so much more difficult being a babyface in that scenario, having to go back and forth with MJF because MJF has free reign to say whatever he wants, basically. And you, as a babyface, have to keep it together. Like you can't lose your cool to the point of like you also coming across like a heel, but you also have to be clever enough that you don't sound stupid going back and forth with him but you also got to keep it clean enough. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you got to ride a lot of fine lines as a baby face in that scenario, especially when you're going face to face with, I mean, MJF talked about stories on this show that like, I can't even repeat or on the, on a diner that I can't even repeat on this show. You know, like the guy has done in, in, in kayfabe, this dude has done despicable things like in and outside of the wrestling ring. And Adam Cole has to be kind of the white meat baby face in this scenario when Cole's most of Cole's success in his career has come as the MJF in this scenario, like he's normally yes. the, the despicable heel. So the, it is, it's an interesting dynamic. And I'll say this. The only thing I don't like about Adam Cole, the only thing is the Panama sunrise because he does it in slow motion. That's the only thing about him that bothers me. Cause like his moveset rules, he rules his promos rule, his look rules him with Brit is cool. Like he's a cool guy. He's a gamer. And, and honestly, I haven't talked to one person ever who said anything other than 
Adam Cole is like the nicest guy I've ever talked to. Yeah. So like, so, so I, I have, I, I just, I, but I like to throw a little critique out there every now and then is, you know, something that can make you a little bit better. Am I, am I crazy for that? Because I feel like when he ever does the Panama sunrise, it looks like he's barely making it over in that move. And I'm always like, it's tough when I've seen like PD Williams do the move for like two decades and it's like crisp, you know, and you're just like, yes, that's the one thing about Adam. And, Cole, and it's, it's the always fact that every, everybody does their destroyer now and right. it looks a whole lot better than the Panama sunrise. I remember when he first started doing it, it looked cool because he did it from a different angle. He did the jump into it and it looked smooth, but especially after the Jericho match where that was the worst Panama sunrise he like ever did back bumps he like goes out and like takes like a bat like a flipping back bump almost and like his opponent has to like do the like do the rest of it almost this doesn't look right yes yes I think I think it's that and that's another reason bringing up the Jericho matchup at double or nothing that's another reason that Adam Cole probably needs to beat uh beat MJF in this eliminator matchup is because I don't think the Chris Jericho feud was as effective as AEW was hoping for because right. the matchup at double or nothing didn't work out. And I, 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 I've said this on, on our, on my channel, and I'll say it here. I think they should have swapped it out. I think they should have done the mixed tag match at double or nothing and not Vol Sabu at all into this whole thing. Totally agree. And, yep. and they should have done the unsanctioned match last week on dynamite. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And the Sabu thing was just strange. Like, listen, I'm just just like me, me and you are the same age. Like, we grew up ECW fans. Like, we're very aware and respect what Sabu is and what he means in wrestling. I mean, but like, and especially, and part of this too, honestly, isn't even Sabu, even Sabu's fault because I've been led to believe that Kyle O'Reilly's returning like multiple weeks now, and that's and like every time it isn't Kyle O'Reilly at this point, and like when it wound up being Sabu instead of Kyle, I was like. Wait, why was Sabu involved in this? Because if it wasn't, if it wasn't gonna be Kyle, I was hoping for uh, Bobby Fish. Well, of course, yeah, like, one I, of those. I, guys. I, I, I had already booked my interview that's up on my channel now right. with Bobby Fish. So I was really hoping it was Bobby Fish. So I could talk to. Oh, him that would have boosted. That. Oh yeah, that would have exactly. boosted everything. I was like, come on, that would have boosted me up. That would have been perfect. Yes. But um, it was Sabu, and it just yeah, it marked me <laughs> out in the moment because, like you said, I'm a huge. Right. ECW fan like I remember being uh eight years old staying up to 1 a.m on uh watching an MSG here in New York and that that was like my thing Sabu and all those guys from the ECW era so it popped me in the moment but then when we got to the show and you see him doing the the chair jowls with Chris Jericho and then basically not even doing a splash off the top rope he basically just fell off the top rope into the table above it's just like nah nah not yeah <laughs> man those were the days you know I, I remember back in the day the um well like ecw would air on tnn which at the time was the nashville network and that was before it turned into spike tv which is a lot of people once again younger viewers newer fans might not even know about all this which is crazy because that just shows how old we're getting because i feel like a lot of this stuff was just yesterday but it was 20 25 years ago um but like so ECW would air on the Nashville network and then it would air like replays on like locally, like kind of syndicated, whatever you call it. So for you, is that what that was of the MSG network was like, your kind of like your local middle of the night ECW reruns. Yeah. Um, that's where hardcore TV used yes. to, used to come on was MSG. Uh, the say, and it's funny because MSG, the only wrestling we used to ever get on that was Madison square garden shows from WWF. 
So it was right. very funny that on that same channel, late night, 1 a.m., you would get the hardcore TV. And uh, yeah, that's how I discovered the Rob Van Dam, Sad, uh, Sandman, Sabu, all those guys I discovered from watching hardcore TV at like eight years old, uh, mm. late night. And then, and then when they showed up on like the WWF of the world, and then Sabu was on WCW for a while, it was like, oh, snap, they here, they made it to the big time. It was cool. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I felt the same way. I, I remember like when like hack. Hardcore hack appeared on WCW. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what? Are you kidding me? Um, but uh <laughs> but I remember like ECW for me, the, the like the rerun shows and stuff would do um they were on this channel called Hot Lana, which was like a short-lived and people I would love to know if anyone who's in, in the chat or anyone who watches the replay of this, please let me know in the comments. Does anyone have any recollection of this channel? Because it was it wasn't around for very long. And it would air, it was awesome though. It would air like, they had like this programming block, which would be like, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong a little bit, but it would be like um, ECW, uh, like Roller Jam with like Mark D'Amato and like those dudes. Um, I remember all the there was this, there was a strip poker show where like as a teenager, it was basically the equivalent of watching like the Howard Stern E show where like they know when nothing, like you didn't really actually see anything. But, like, it was just the fact that, like, it was on TV and, like, you're a teenager and, like, the internet wasn't what it is now. You know, you're just, like, like that. Like, so you're up in the middle of the night watching people basically just strip in, a ba- in the bikinis. Like, it's really no big deal. You know, but, like, yeah. but, but you know, it's, like, it was, like, those kind of shows. It was, like, this. I mean, that was, like, the late night block with, like, strip poker, roller jam, ECW. Um, you know, it was, like, those kind of shows. They might have even aired, like, reruns of, like, Wild on E with um Brooke. Um, what was her name? Brooke, oh man, she was big for a while. She was gorgeous. She's someone, some Brooke Burke, maybe was her name. Um, but uh, there was a show called Wild on E, and she was the host of it. She'd walk around like on the beach, and like you know, it was like. Anyway, this was a totally different time. Uh, but it was just one of those things where that that I always remember that kind of stuff because ECW was such like an underground thing, even though it was on TNN. TNN at that time really wasn't a big deal, and then people also forget that ECW got totally screwed because. When TNN rebranded a spike, and as in during that transition, everything when they got WWE programming, that's when ECW was done because they were yeah, they were still yeah. TNN when they were when, at that uh, before when, yeah right yeah. before right yeah right. right before but they had changed to the national network they got from the national yeah. network to the national network national, and then they to the national network and then like a year into it being on or probably like two years because I remember it closer becoming Spike when the the first brand split happened and right. they got back onto tnn uh, they went on tnn for the first time in like 2000 because i remember it was like summer of 2000 the rock was the was the wwf champion and like he kicked off the show for that first episode on tnn so it was like a year and a half or so before they became spike yes yes so those yeah those were those were the days man that was a that was a wild time because that was also that was ECW like basically Spike TV made the decision they were like we have WWE now we why would we need ECW and then within like months ECW was absorbed by the WWE and everything remember the Paul Haven rants on the last few episodes yeah yeah a classic and it's wild that like he's been in the WWE for so long like since then you know like um it's just wild how things happen um we'll move on to our next uh, our next topic here but me and the sp3 are both um it sounds like we're both interested in looking forward to adam Cole versus mjf and I, I think we both think it's a good idea that 
Um, I'm fine with Adam Cole winning an eliminator match and, and, and beating MJF, but I do think MJF will ultimately retain when, uh, when they have their one-on-one match of the title. Great. Moving on, let's go to this spotlight. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. So we're going to go to the other spotlights, um, mainly because we had some huge match announcements for Forbidden Door 2. And with you being such a big uh, New Japan fan, especially, um, this was perfect timing for you to be on the show this week to talk about this. Um, the two matches that I'm talking about, of course, is the rematch between Kenny Omega and Okada. That's going to be... Um, you know, Kenny the- Omega and Will Ospreay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Will- Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. <laughs> Um, this is a rematch, of course. Kenny Omega won the original running back at Forbidden Door. Very much looking forward to that. And then, of course, the other one, which was why I got this all mixed up. We have Brian Danielson versus Okada, which we have never seen, which is like a legitimate dream match. Yes. So um, um, I want kind of more your thoughts on Danielson versus Okada because we haven't seen it before. But I will throw this out there um okada sorry omega i keep wanting to say okada and omega because i know that that's going to like they're going to be teaming up soon like it's all this is all blending together but like um but you know obviously i'm very happy to see omega versus um osprey that that's happening again because the original was a classic we knew we were going to get multiple matches and it makes sense that the rematch would happen at forbidden door um but man when i saw that video package that, that little kind of vignette promo thing that that danielson did out in the out in the desert and that line dude that line was so savage at the end where he was like i, I i'm gonna botch it i'm sure but he was like he's like rainmaker like out here i'm gonna bring you to the desert where there is no rain and i was like oh dude that is such a good where he's like there ain't no rain out here whatever he said i was like yes. dude that's that is a great line especially because like only someone like danielson could deliver something kind of that corny and on the nose and it hit so perfect, you know? Um, so yeah. How do you feel about all this? Obviously the rematch, the rematch is huge. The, the dream match is huge as well. And, uh, and yeah, kind of where you at with the with forbidden door two shaping up right now. I thought the, the Brian Danielson challenge was so well done uh, in every way because it came out as a, as a surprise due to, you know, what happened at resurgence and what happened at dominion. It led many people, including myself to believe we were going to get Okada versus Moxley at uh forbidden door because they had that, that kind of electric chemistry with one another at resurgence in long beach. And then they were involved in the dominion matchup, but then for Moxley to kind of do the introduction and say, you know, you the guys in the ring, uh, Tadahashi, Ishii, and Okada, they call you guys the best wrestlers in the world. But we know who the best wrestler in the world is. We train with the best wrestler in the world, and he has a message. And then to hear uh, Brian's whole story, he gave you the story outright. For people that were like, where's the story? Where's the story? He gave you the story in the promo. He said for 10 years, he's been hearing about you and the people calling you the best wrestler in the world. And he even heard him say that he wanted to wrestle him and he says uh, you know they call you the rainmaker well when you're in the ring with me you're in the desert and there ain't no rain but drop the mic right there drop the mic this is about who is the best wrestler in the world and you have this is this is like my ultimate dream match you have my favorite wrestler of uh, probably ever my favorite wrestler ever is brian danielson and my favorite wrestler from japan is tezuko Okada. 
Okada versus Dragon is a must-watch in every single way. It doesn't need any story, but they're still giving you a story. That's why I, I saw some criticism for Dynamite last night. Like, oh, where was the Forbidden Door build? You had Chaos versus Blackpool Combat Club with Daniel with Brian Danielson on the on the commentary the yeah. whole time, bigging up the matchup the whole time. That's the build. You have the video package. That's the build. Some people didn't watch Dominion, like unlike me, that woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning to watch the show live. <laughs> Some people didn't watch it. So you have to do the vignette. You have to have Dragon kind of emphasize what's going on. And for people that were like, oh, there was only one New Japan wrestler on the show, and it was Rocky Romero. Genius. New Japan has a huge show tomorrow, all together again, where it's continuing this whole era of collaboration. That's been my kind of key talking point when it comes to New Japan this year. They did the uh, the Wrestle Kingdom 2 event in January with Pro Wrestling Noah. They did the All-Star Junior Festival with all the Japanese promotions, Dragon Gate, DDT, All Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah back in March. They did, you know, they've done stuff with AEW, had AEW talent on various different shows that they've had. They got Forbidden Door coming up later this month. And then all together again is tomorrow their big show with all japan and pro wrestling noah where a majority of the top stars are going to be on that show there's no way for them to be on dynamite this week so calm your calm your panties down relax we'll get the new japan talent next week or the week after and it doesn't really matter because they've already started the build a lot better than how the build was last year so we even even like even with no build if you just watched Forbidden Door last year or even know about Forbidden Door, you don't even need build. It was the best pay-per-view yes. of the year last year. It's New Japan versus AEW. It sells itself. Exactly. And you you have two matches where you don't really need to care much about the, the other the other matches on this card because these two matches are going to sell it regardless. You have two matches that the bar the bar for them is is five stars but if it gets above that then it's exceeding expectations if it gets below five stars it 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 under delivered like that is the bar for these two matches where brian danielson has had had the greatest iron man match that i ever seen against mjf just two months ago and everybody's been wondering why has he kind of been in bubble wrap why has he not been wrestling why was he like a non pretty much a non-factor in anarchy in the arena as soon as that video package happened, I was like, okay, that's why. That's why right, right there. They, missed, they were like, we're going to make sure you have Forbidden Door this year because we're giving you the biggest possible match you can ask for with Kazuko Okada and then Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. That, that's a story. And the vignette kind of told the story very well. Just show highlights of their match of the year candidate where even though I think MJF and Brian Danielson had the greatest Iron Man match uh, of all time this year, it still is probably second place to Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. And now we get part two. And I love how things are shaping up for us to get one of the greatest trilogies of all time in one year. Where you have Osprey and Omega 1 in their second homes of Japan. You got Osprey Omega 2 in Kenny's home of Canada. And now you have the potential, whatever happens in this matchup, whether it's Osprey getting his win back or Kenny going 2-0 this year, you got Osprey and Omega. Mega three right there for you to revisit in Wembley Stadium in Osprey's home 
of of the UK. So it just makes it a beautifully told story all together. And these two matches, there's they don't really need to do much else than just continue to hype this, continue the commentary telling us why these matches are important. Hopefully we could get a promo from Kenny Omega uh, in the weeks to come, but we don't need Osprey or Okada to even show up on Dynamite without feeling the hype of what these two matches are going to mean to AEW and New Japan. Yes, yeah. I couldn't say that, that better myself, man. I'm I'm hyped for it. I'm glad that they announced those two matches. Like I said, the whole thing sells itself. I mean, if you... And this isn't one of those... Like, this isn't a spark of debate or anything, but I say this about AEW pay-per-view. I say this about a few different wrestling promotions and shows, to be fair. Not just AEW, but if you consider yourself a pro wrestling fan... It's a disservice if you don't watch Forbidden Door. Like, 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 you know, and you don't have to be, you can be the biggest, you know, WWE fanboy of all time. You can maybe, you can even love just sports entertainment. <clears throat> you might not have any interest in, in New Japan or AEW or whatever. But if you call yourself a wrestling fan, I feel like part of your responsibility as a fan, if you're going to call yourself that, is to at the very least be aware and try out tasting some other stuff outside of what you normally do right like and and there's no better example of that than something like forbidden door like you're going to get incredible matches the atmosphere is going to be incredible in the arena um you're going to see wrestlers you've never seen before if you don't follow the product and you're going to become a fan of new new talent um and you may want to start watching new japan and or AEW going forward afterwards like you never know um, so it's one of those things where like, and it's, and something where like growing up, we, we, it was a weird time because we had some random shows that were kind of similar. Like when WCW did like the, the, um, the crossover show in new Japan and stuff, um, yeah. uh, Starcade you know. 95, they did mm-hmm. that had the WCW versus new Japan that had like Benoit versus, uh, Liger. And I think you had Otani versus Eddie Guerrero. Those I, re- I remember those viv- vividly and I actually rewatched it, uh, more recently. And then you also had worlds collide with triple a in like right. 94. Yes. Yeah, so like, so we got like little kind of things like that throughout our childhood, But now with like the distribution and the access to wrestling and the streaming networks and everything, it just feels like this, this is something that, because not this, and I'm not even being biased. Like I really wish WWE did stuff like this. I I would love it if the WWE did like a joint show with AEW or New Japan or or some other company. Like it would just, I just think it's great for the fans to just get a different look, a different vibe. There's a different perspective on stuff, just something different. And, uh, and the last question I got for you before we move on to the next uh, the next topic for other category <clears throat> is um quick predictions. Like, do you think that my assumption, as I'm sure it is, is yours, that we will get a trilogy, um, you know, in front of Osprey's crowd, and that'll be um, so Osprey would need to win this rematch. Um, do, I actually disagree not? with that. Really? I actually okay. I actually think Kenny wins this one to go 2 and 0 and then the whole story that's been being told between Osprey and Omega is Osprey's been really kind of emphasizing that he needs to be Kenny Omega for his career to be complete. So I think the natural thing is for him to lose in Kenny's home and then make the final challenge for All In career versus title. Ooh, I like that. Now I think that actually makes a lot of sense too. Cause where, where I was getting at in the kind of like my, my mind when I was like kind of thinking about what would make the most sense, who would win and lose these big matches. 
when these two matches initially got announced, I immediately assumed that Okada was going to beat Danielson, like without even like knowing anything else. I and and but in part of me was like, but I don't think, but I think they will split those matches. Like AEW is going to win one of those, New Japan's going to win one of those. And my mind was like, well, in that case, Omega would have to beat Osprey if they're going to have Okada beat Danielson. But then I was like, but of course they're going to do a trilogy, so like you probably want to go one on one to one. But I actually like that. I like that idea because I guess ultimately I thought that Kenny would like. It's you know what that's probably the best scenario for everyone because at the end of the day, Osprey would win the feud because he'd win the final match in front of his crowd and it'd be a humongous win for him. But Kenny's still two to one in the series, yeah. so both guys really win. Um, that's actually probably exactly what they should do. I'm with you. I'm going to go with that too. I think Kenny's going to beat Osprey at Forbidden Door. Okada's going to beat Danielson. Personally, I'd like to see Danielson win that. Just me personally, as a Danielson fan, I love Okada as well. But like, Danielson's also the kind of guy that I'm—I don't know if it's for sure—but he seems to me to be the kind of guy who probably goes backstage and he's like, "I'm going to put him over." You know what I mean? Like he's like he doesn't <laughs> care if he's winning or losing. He just wants—he wants the moments. He knows the matches are going to be badass. And Danielson is bulletproof. He's—he's—he's he's, yeah. he's legitimately in the GOAT conversation, all-time best wrestler. So, like, nothing you can do is really going to hurt him at this point, whether he wins or loses. And they both are. They both. Okada, what Okada has been able to do, and he has has two of the greatest rivalries as far as, like, in rework and storytelling for people who love storytelling. Go back and watch the Tanahashi and Okada rivalry, and there's been multiple people who did videos on how they told that long, intricate story from uh, from 2012 all the way to 2018, where every match was different in the way the characters went against it or where the characters were at in each and every matchup that they had over a six-year period and then he did it again with an all-time an all-time rivalry that uh, really elevated new japan to where it is today as far as in the consciousness in north america with okada and omega that 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 four matches is some of the greatest matches that have ever happened in a professional wrestling ring and okada may have his best character ever because for all the people that say you know bloodline storyline is the best thing in wrestling for people who say the elite and bcc is the best thing in wrestling my counter argument is okada versus the unruly kids in new japan has been my favorite rivalry of 2023 ever since kaito kiyomiya from new japan from uh, pro wrestling noah kicked this man in the head he has snapped him to become the angriest dad in professional <laughs> wrestling he hates these kids and it's basically he hates the kids for being him 10 years ago it's some of the most genius psychology based storytelling that I have ever seen he is the former president of the fraternity who now lives next door to the fraternity and is telling all these kids get off my lawn get off my lawn you don't belong here he's he's feuding with uh, Shoto Amino and saying that you're not as good as people think you are Ren Narita oh you're too angry and cocky you don't belong here he's eventually gonna that's why i want for like the g1 i want him to be in the same block as shooter as narita kaito kiyomiya's in the g1 i want him to be in the same block as him i want him to be in the same block as yoda suji all the unruly kids at okada okada at the daycare in the g1 <laughs> needs to be one of the blocks of the tournament and he's been putting on some some of the greatest trios matches in New Japan, like the matchup against Claudio, Moxley, and Shooter, 
that that was my match of the week this week. If you haven't watched that, go out of your way to watch it because it just had so much star power, so much intensity. The crowd was so invested into it. You got these dream encounters with like Claudio doing the swing to Okada. You had Okada going at it with Moxley. Moxley and Ishii. This was probably the best Moxley has looked in such a long time in like a multi-man matchup. He just felt like Bruiser Brody meets Tomohiro Ishii. You had Shooter kind of going up to the level as everyone else in the ring it was just so great from dominion and that preluded the announcement of danielson and okada there you go um for everyone who's tuning into the show now or has come in since the regular start time of 9 30 um we'll be going for about another 15 minutes live and then you'll be hearing an interview uh from carmen michael and myself um here on this uh, creator spotlight um we started at, at around 8 30 this morning for anyone who's coming into the show um, around now or since 9.30. Um, the second uh, other spotlight that we have today, um, unfortunately, the Iron Sheik passed away yesterday and uh, wanted to, you know, obviously bring that up on the show today. Um, rest in peace to the Iron Sheik, a guy who obviously was a bit before our time. You know, his big run with, like, the WWF Championship was, you know, right around the time like our lives were starting or maybe a little bit before um and uh obviously the biggest thing when i think of the iron sheik outside of like the larger than life kind of personality of him and and the viral clips of him that i've seen over the years and in his twitter and all that stuff um he in my opinion is most well known and at least in my opinion once again is for uh being a big part of the birth of hulkamania because he was the wwf champion um hulk hogan hit him with the atomic leg drop and and won his first WWF championship from the Iron Sheik. And obviously we know people, I, I, I fully understand, of course, the perception of Hulk Hogan over the years has changed and this and that. I, I get all that. But for what, what professional wrestling is and what it became and how big it got and like the reason we're even able to talk about wrestling right now in 2023, really probably the reason it even exists, a big part of it is because of Hulk Hogan beating the Iron Sheik, becoming the champion, and like really putting this all on his back with Vince Jr. and and the, the whole thing really you know hidden hidden heights that we never ever would have thought. Um, oh, by the way, uh, no, we we have not missed the Dominic talk. Well, that that's coming up here in just a second. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give a you know obviously thoughts and it's a somber episode today. I've talked a lot about, you know, obviously Jeremy, for those of you who are, who are, who are tuning in a little later as well, Jeremy isn't here today. His father did pass away the other day, unfortunately. So please give your thoughts and everything over to Jeremy. Um, and, you know, thoughts are also with Iron Sheik and his family. Just, you know, Sheik, I, I believe Sheik, um, I, I, I missed how old he was. He was like in his seventies or eighties, I believe. Um, I believe he was 81. 81. So, I mean, like had a long life, especially for a guy who was in a business that was so grueling, especially in the era that he came from. So like, you know, had a long life and he left a really rememberable legacy. So I, I wanted to put that out there and any, any additional thoughts or anything you want to say about the iron sheet? Uh, definitely a pioneer when you think about like the foreign heel in professional wrestling like so many that have followed the Iron Sheik have kind of based their whole characters behind him like you had someone like Miro come out and say you know he, he studied a lot of his tapes and that influenced what we saw with Rusev in WWE and how he came across and you know the stuff that you would see from like the older tapes from like the late 70s and early 80s 
issues with Iron Sheik versus Slargent Slaughter and uh, what he did with his tag team with Nikolai Volkov kind of later on after his WWF championship reign. Iron Sheik is such a pioneer. And, you know, a lot of people, their only memories of Iron Sheik would be like he didn't want to take a uh, a bump in the gimmick battle royal, right, so he won the gimmick battle royal. Uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17. 17, 17. That's right. That's right. The gimmick right, battle royal at WrestleMania yeah. 17, or it would be about you know his his rants and and calling and frack the Hulk Hogan and all mm-hmm. that stuff that he would he would talk about and just came coming up with the term jabroni. Like we we had the Rock uh, have like a near four minute video on his social media talking about how we influenced. And that was how he came up with the word jabroni from the Iron Sheik. So he influenced so many other people that you probably didn't get to see Iron Sheik's work, but you have been influenced and been a fan of Iron Sheik's work from the people that have watched him and been inspired by him. So R.I.P. to Sheiky Baby and, uh, you know, best wishes to his family and prayers to them. Yes, absolutely. We will move on to our next spotlights here. I need to finish the story in the WWE, the story never finishes. All right. So we have some WWE spotlights to talk about. The first one that we're going to talk about today is Cody Rhodes and Dominic Mysterio. Um, This is something that I'm not going to say like, I didn't know that I needed it because like I, I I'm when it comes to Cody, I, I am always thinking kind of, I am kind of usually playing chess while others are playing checkers. And what I mean by this is like, because I think about him particularly so often when it comes to this stuff, I'm always thinking like, who are other second generation wrestlers who are, you know, like who could, what, what things would make sense for him to do when he isn't going for the championship? Like, what's he going to fill his time doing? And I won't say that I haven't thought about the idea of Dom and, and Cody before, but I never thought it would have like the level of interest or heat that it seems to already have. Um, <laughs> Cody is still super over. Um, which is very good to see because I, you know, I still believe he should have won in the WrestleMania main event, but you know, we're at, we're at, we're at with all this right now. And, um, and Dominic is, he, the way he's leaned into this and the way they're presenting him and with Rhea calling him Latino heat and stuff. I, I love this. Um, and I think that Cody, I'm not going to say will carry Dom to a great match because like, I think Dom is out there holding his own for what he needs to do. Um, but I think that they will make that something special. Like when this eventually happens, I think Cody's going to do everything he can to make Dominic look like a million bucks and make it look like Dominic has a real chance of winning like throughout the match. And by the end of it, the fans are going to go crazy for Cody winning because they're so, they're so in the thing with Dom, it isn't even like, I, I hate the term X pocky because Sean Waltman doesn't deserve that, but, but it, 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 it the heat that Dominic has, it isn't go away heat. It isesn't change the channel heat. It's this is fun to boo this dude heat. And like, he's the way he's leaning into it. This is fun for everybody and it's working. So um, how do you feel about Dominic and Cody? It looks like that's going to be a, a match coming up soon. I thought it was a very good segment on Monday Night Raw and WWE can go about this in so many different ways. Like I, I, I know we got a super chat in there talking about like potentially these two kind of going at it as a uh, money in the bank qualifier. Uh, and that would be that would be interesting. But I think that this may be kind of a teaser of what Cody's going to do after Brock Lesnar. 
Like you can have Cody in Money in the Bank now and have Dom in there too. You can have them both in the Money in the Bank ladder match and it's continuing the rivalry without giving away the one-on-one matchup because I don't think WWE will find a more over babyface versus a more over heel in their company or in wrestling in general than Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio's getting some of the loudest boos WWE has heard in years, while Cody Rhodes is their top babyface, and he's the guy that can really kind of be the anchor for WWE post-Roman Reigns' whole, you know, legendary title reign. So, uh, but... They can also they also have to kind of spend the next six, eight months kind of keeping Cody busy. And after this Brock Lesnar feud, he's going to need something that's as big and it's going to be almost undeniable before he eventually gets back into the world title scene. Now, I'm just going to present this scenario. What if Dominic Mysterio wins money in the bank and cashes in on Seth Rollins? And he becomes the new world heavyweight champion. Because you got Seth Rollins already feuding with the Judgment Day. He seems like he's going to be versing Finn Balor at Money in the Bank. If the next option is now Dominic Mysterio, who's his next challenger, and Dom wins there, you're going to need Dom to have some big-time challengers. And there's not a lot bigger than Cody Rhodes. So say that Cody is close to winning Money in the Bank, and it's re- because of Rhea Ripley that he doesn't win Money in the Bank. Now when he's done with Brock Lesnar, he has a reason to go after Dominic Mysterio and the World Heavyweight Championship. Because I'm sorry, I, I enjoyed all their matches, but I feel like you're not going to get a better matchup between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins than what we saw at Hell in a Cell because of the circumstances around it, because of the realism there. I don't want to see that again for at least a little while. So I don't see uh, Cody going after the world title as long as Seth Rollins has it. But if you have a dastardly heel that no one believes should be the world champion, Dominic Mysterio, and now you have Cody opposite him, that's a money program that could be on the top of the card for Raw. That's interesting. That would be so wild if Cody finished the story by beating Dominic Mysterio for the for the world title. And, you know, th- there is a lot they could do with that story. I mean, Cody and Ray have, have a history themselves. They wrestled each other in, in the WrestleMania in Atlanta. Um, they, Cody's whole undashing gimmick at one point was because Ray kicked him in the face. And, like, that was, like, he had a whole career change because of it and um so there there's interest there's an interesting history between cody and the mysterios and that could carry over into a feud with cody and dominic very interested to see and call me crazy was uh he did he left the super chat we basically addressed it but thank you very much call me crazy um said he told sean rossap on monday but he hopes that dom versus cody uh the feud ends in money make qualifier match with Brock interfering, costing Cody, giving Dom the win over Cody. I can see that happening. I think that's a, I think that's a potential scenario that could actually yeah. be happening. And uh, call me crazy also says uh, with another super chat. Thank you very much. Says Cody finally beats Roman, but out comes Dom with money in the bank. Oh that's, my that's, God. That, that might be even better than my that's idea. Good, call me crazy. That might be wow. even better is Cody co- finishes the story and then Dom cashes in on it. Oh my oh, God. That might he, happen. Oh my god! That might happen. Geez. I'm gonna throw my television off my roof if that happens. Um, but now listen, I love Dominic, but oh my god, if they finally finish that story and then it and then that's actually a good idea though. Call me crazy. It actually is a good idea. 
Um, unfortunately, we do have to keep moving on. Um, for anyone who's here for the Carmen Michael interview, that will be airing in about 10 minutes. About we got, we'll, we'll make sure we'll, we'll, we'll rifle through these last couple topics. Um, at about 10, 15 um, you, Eastern time, you'll be hearing the interview with myself and Carmen Michael to wrap the show up. It's about a 40 minute long interview. Um, next, that would be topic uh, today's spotlight. Uh, Gunther, uh, he wrestled Kevin Owens on Raw. Thought it was fantastic. It was the kind of thing that I think Raw needs a lot more of. Just WWE needs a lot more of a general on free television for Raw and SmackDown. Um, and I know that you agree with this. I think Gunther is... Um, well, I, I know you might even have higher opinions because I want I want your thoughts on this, but I think it's he's clearly the best Intercontinental Champion they've had in a super long time. And somebody who just in general has become a gigantic asset to the WWE. And someone who I'll also mention, I, I was definitely wrong because... I was right and wrong because when when he was with NXT UK, you know, I I covered I covered all of it for the weekend or week after week. I'm very familiar with Gunther. I was, you know, pre-WWE as well, his stuff with yeah. PCO and all the legendary stuff he did pre-WWE. Now, I was under the impression when he made it to Raw or SmackDown, based on him being a part of like the Survivor Series match a few years ago, they just kind of like jobbed him out. And I thought Vince was just gonna see him as like kind of like an overweight, like then see the hype and he was going to be like a Lars Sullivan. He was going to kind of be like in and out. They were generic. They weren't going to know what to do. Now, what I didn't foresee was Gunther. Act, I figured they were going to ask him to lose weight, but I didn't expect him to do a complete transformation the way that he has. And I'm sure that's something Vince sees and that's they, they respect him because of it a lot more probably. And that probably also is leading to a lot of the push. So it's a mixture, I think of the talent and the fact that he's gotten himself in a really good shape and showed the dedication that probably Vince is looking for, Triple H is looking for. Um, now, I, you had told me privately, you think that Gunther may be the best signing WWE has had in years just in general. I think he's the best signing WWE has had in the past decade. And I know there's going to be people like yourself who's a big Cody Rhodes fan and who would put him into that conversation. But I feel sure. like Cody Rhodes has met his expectations for what he was on outside of WWE, what he was able to accomplish there, and then coming back in his same form. I think he's met the expectation. I don't think there's any signing that has exceeded the expectations more than Gunther. That's why I think he's the best WWE signing of the past decade. Because like you said, he came in to be like a top monster heel for NXT UK. He did that and then then some became the longest reigning champion of the modern era at that time as NXT UK champion put on classic matches against Tyler Bate and Ilya Dragunov. He made us watch NXT UK in the pandemic because of that yep. Ilya Dragunov matchup in the empty arena and then another classic against Ilya Dragunov on TakeOver. Then he went to then he went to NXT and he exceeded expectations over there with just being just an undeniable prospect to bring up to the main roster. And now he's come here and he's revived the Intercontinental Championship where you have Seth Rollins kind of trying to build the World Heavyweight Championship as this workhorse championship, but already the Intercontinental Championship, the original workhorse championship in WWE is back to that type of status because of what Gunther has been able to accomplish with his classic matches against Sheamus and the three-way with Sheamus and Drew 
all the fabulous TV matches that he had last year with the likes of Ricochet and Shinsuke Nakamura, Xavier Woods this year, and then Monday against Kevin Owens. That was the best TV match of the year so far for WWE. So he has just done so much to exceed what people thought he was able to do. I think Gunther is by far the best signing of the past decade. He's the best wrestler overall in WWE, and he is WWE's answers to the Will Ospreys of the world, to the Kazuka Okadas of the world, to the Kenny Omegas of the world, to the Brian Danielsons of the world. He is WWE's best bout machine. There you go. I can't really say anything higher praise than that. And I, I, I agree. I think he's been fantastic. And he's a guy who I, he, he, if he stays healthy and within like the good graces of like management and booking decisions and stuff, like he'll be the world, one of the world champions of the WWE. Like, I mean, it's very clear. He's done a fantastic job. So massive shout out to Gunther and to Kevin Owens. I mean, that, that that's the kind of stuff that I, I want to see just more of that. I will watch Raw and SmackDown way more consistently. If I know more of their shows are including more of those kind of matches. Um, yeah, and I, I saw people say, like, oh, it felt like an NXT or a Monday Night Raw episode. I was like, no, you guys didn't watch NXT. NXT was like one good matchup, a bunch of squashes, and some good promos. That's what the NXT era of Triple H was. This was a dynamite edition of Monday Night Raw, where you got Ricochet and Shinsuke Nakamura having a match. You had Gunther and Kevin Owens. You had Seth Rollins and Damian Priest. That's the type of lineup that uh, Dynamite gives us on a Wednesday, and we got it on a Monday Night Raw. I think that episode of Raw was the best one they've done this year. Awesome. Last set of uh, spotlights here. Going to run the... I want to give a big motherfucking shout out. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I'm going to touch on it because we did kind of touch on it already. Just really quickly, want to throw out there. Kenta did defeat uh, Nick Wayne for the Defy World Championship last weekend. I don't think that it's available to watch still. Someone in the in the comments or chat can uh, correct that if it is available already. But um, to my knowledge, it hasn't aired yet. Um did, did, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I could I help you say something. Okay, um, yeah, but uh, but because the five does generally run like they 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 air, they they do their live show and then it shows as like a tape later on. Um, yeah. But obviously, the big thing there also, of course, you know, Kenta won that title and Nick Wayne is going to be debuting on AEW. I believe it's July twelfth against Swerve on Dynamite. So like he's they're they're in the preparation stage right now of getting Nick Wayne ready for AEW. Um, and Kenta, it's really cool because uh, although SP3 is clearly down on his New Japan run, it is cool to see Kenta like being a part of the indie scene in 2023. So want to give a shout out to Kenta for becoming the Defy champion. And um, the last spotlight that I want to bring up, of course, is Blake Christian is your new Game Changer Wrestling World Champion. Um, this is a guy who pre-WWE was killing it as, you know, all heart Blake Christian mainly got over um, just because of his in-ring work, uh, just super, super solid in the ring and uh, went off to WWE. He was Trey Baxter for a little bit, did some 205 Live. Um, and ever since kind of re- resurfacing on the indies after that run, at, you know, during the pandemic, um, he really has established himself as the top heel of GCW. And this was a long time coming. He, he bided his time. He had basically a money in the bank cash and opportunity that he was ready to use. And he teased it week after week after week. Uh, month after month at this point. And um, basically what wound up happening is Rina, Rina Yamashita, who's the ultraviolet champion, she won tournament, tournament of survival this weekend. That got her a title shot against Masha Slamovich at Cage of Survival the next night. 
um, for the world championship. Blake Christian pulled a Seth Rollins, a WrestleMania 31 main event, and he came out. He cashed in mid-match, made it a triple threat, and somewhat similar to Seth Rollins as well, he curb-stomped Masha Slamovich. Now, I will say Blake's curb stomp does look a bit more brutal, but just the way he hits it on people, it's a lot less clean. Because it's like it's just, a double foot stomp where he yes. propels himself up and then drops on the other leg. He, he bases that. off of your back and then yeah. comes down on your head. And uh, yeah, so but so Blake Christian pinned Masha, and he got kind of the Matt Cardona treatment of being pelted with garbage. And what's, what's, what's funny about or interesting about this whole thing with Blake to me is that he got himself so over as a baby face for years based on his in-ring work. And since becoming a heel, he barely wrestles. Like he, 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 he has a lot of matches, but he barely like wrestles. Like he goes out there, kind of gets beat up. He runs around the ring and eventually the ref's going to get distracted. He's going to hit you in the dick and then you're going to get curb stomped. And um, he's done a really good job for himself, getting the fans to hate him. But at the same time, he's the kind of guy who, if you talk to him in intermission or after the show, I don't want to like, ruin this guy's aura or whatever but like if you talk to him and like or you come across him he's at, he's like a super cool nice dude like he's one of those he's not like an mjf guy who's gonna like tell you to go f yourself like he will he will on camera but then like if you if you go like shake his hand like an intermission or whatever he's always like hey what's up y'all you know like, he's like he's a good dude so um congratulations to blake christian a guy who i think has deserved a lot in the wrestling world for a long time a guy who i don't think got a fair shake in the wwe system and uh, a guy who in my opinion, has the most prestigious title outside of, you know, mainstream wrestling. I think GCW, that world championship is probably the most important title out there right now. So, uh, yeah. so any, any additional thoughts? I, I hate to cut you off because I, I do no, have to right. interview in a second, but um, thoughts on Blake Christian become the GCW champion. Overall, I thought uh, tournament of survival weekend was uh, um, great. It was just great uh, death match wrestling at its finest. Rina Yamashita winning the tournament made a lot of sense. Her being the ultra violent champion. And I believe that was the first time they, they did like an all female one on one matchup for the GCW world champion. I think so. They had recently done like the women's five way. Uh, the, the five way. Yeah. yeah. But one-on-one, I, I think, think that it was, was the, the first one-on-one women's. The, the right, first yeah. time. And then for Blake Christian, not only to come in in that fashion with two women battling it out and him cashing in the way he did, but he did it in Atlantic City that started his whole heel run where he was right. playing a baby face and the Atlanta City fans in the showboat just started booing him. And he didn't know why. He didn't know what was going on. But he has just fully embraced it, become the top heel in the promotion. And it's always weird when I see him in Ring of Honor and I'm like, this is not, he's such a douchebag. It's completely game changer. It's Yeah. Like, it's like I'm, night and day. It's like, it's like, this is not even Blake Christian. This is someone else's Christian. <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's like, it's like seeing the, the four, it's like seeing the original version of Blake Christian in ring of honor, but like not, it, it is two totally different things for sure. Yeah, um, he's he's very talented in that way that he could play both wells, both roles so well. But yeah, congratulations to Blake Christian, and he's going to be a great game changer wrestling champion. And I agree with you, the top independent world championship out there. Agreed. There you go, Westby three. Thank you very much for joining and filling in for Jeremy today. Anyone who's uh, who's joined the show late, I'll mention it one more time. You know, Jeremy's father passed away a couple days ago, and that's why he's not on the show today. And I just want to stress it over and over. Please have him in your thoughts and his family in your thoughts. Cause it's, yeah. it's, there's no words. It's terrible. I do. You know, I love, we love you, Jeremy. We really do, man. Um, so SP three, um, before you get out of here, uh, if you want to plug your stuff real quick. 
Uh, follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Check out the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. That is T R U No E True Hill Heat. Uh, I got my interview with Bobby Fish up on there right now, where we talk about uh, his feelings on Undisputed Era being broken up, his departure from AEW. We got a lot of great quotes, great uh, stories from Bobby Fish in that interview. And check me out later today, 105 p.m. Eastern Time on AE Ramble, reviewing last night's AEW Dynamite. More in long form with Jimmy Macaram. It's going to be a lot of fun. So check us out at 105 p.m. There you go. Thank you again, SP3, for joining me as always, brother. And I will uh, be airing this interview right now with Carmen Michael. And please let me know. Give me feedback. If you can't hear the audio or something's wrong when you're all listening to this, please let me know in the chat. Um, I'm going to air it right now. I'll be back for a couple minutes afterwards, and then I got to go clock into my shoot job. But um, I'm going to air it right now. Thank you again, SP3, and enjoy this interview with myself and Carmen Michael. Welcome to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight. I'm Stephen Jensen, normally joined by Jeremy Lambert, but we're doing it uh, just me and my guest today. Jeremy had uh, something with his family come up, and obviously we're thinking of Jeremy. And you know, but that said, we're happy to be here today, do an interview for y'all right here for the Spotlight. My voice, my uh, my guest today rather, is the voice of New South Pro Wrestling. He's a pro wrestling commentator, ring announcer, audio engineer, stage crew, graphic designer. And undefeated against Donnie Primetime, which I'm definitely going to talk a little bit about. Um, all today, yes, is Carmen Michael. Carmen, thank you for joining us today. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Um, so it was cool uh, finally meeting you in person. I've known you like through, um, you know, like friends of friends through like the wrestling space, Twitter and that kind of stuff. Um, of course, I've known you um, through uh, watching New South, uh, mm -hmm. especially. And um, you're, you've done a lot of work with my good friend Mose, who's a friend of the show, been been on here plenty of times. Love so, Mose. Uh, yes, shout out to shout out to John Mosley, jumping Johnny Mosley, as Dylan Hales would say. <laughs> um, but uh, so this has been a long time coming, and it was good to finally meet you in person at GCW Into the Light uh, back on 421. So, uh, so yeah, I'm happy to have you, man. That old carousel podcast you had going on there, <laughs> everyone <Dude>. hopping in. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, wound up, uh, it, it initially was just going to be me and Cole Radrick just like getting a few minutes. And then I saw you were in there. So said what's up. And then I was like, I like yeah, it was I'm, Cole, Jaden, yeah. then me. And then I want to say Speedball and then uh, Brian Keith. Like it was just, yeah, everyone. Brian Keith rolled up. I, um, uh there was someone else there too um scott hensley got yep. popped up out of nowhere um so yeah that was that was a lot of fun so uh y'all can check that out over on fightfulselect.com there's been a few articles that went up um through that as well over on fightful.com so um yeah man so speaking of like how did you get involved like i guess with what you're doing with you know ring announcing and, and commentating mm -hmm. and all that stuff um just to begin with before you even like got in or was new south really like your first big opportunity like how did you really get into it so i first started with southern honor wrestling right. i was doing their lighting this is back in 2019 maybe and then the pandemic happened um i had been a fan of new south for years i would go to a bunch of their shows and uh brandon williams would always say man we've got to get you out like you could be a big asset here. Like I know you could help out. So I went and actually went to one of the tryouts and I went saying like, Hey, I just want to ring announce and help out with production. But you know, while I'm here, I might as well, you know, do the tryout. So I 
did all the exercises, ran the ropes, took some bumps, like whatever. And uh, <laughs> ended up, unbeknownst to me, tearing my quad <laughs> during this. <laughs> oh, wow. But I ended up ring announcing for the first time uh, the very next night. With, with a, a torn, torn quad. <laughs> with a torn quad. I'm like, I'm just thinking like, man, my leg is a lot more sore than usual. But like I hobbled into the ring, did the pre-show. And then uh, ended up getting blood poisoning and was in the hospital for a few days. Because I'm used to I'm used to heavy workouts. Like I'm used to being sore. I didn't think anything about it. So I'm like, okay. And it got to like day three. And I was like, all right, something's a little off here. So I went and got everything checked out. And they like rushed me to the ER and like put me in a hospital bed and all this. I'm like, this seems a little extreme. <laughs> Dude, I had no idea about any of this. Yes. So, th so this was your introductory to very, working very with the world professional <laughs> And then uh, I remember I got out of the hospital, and I think – I could be wrong. I think it was the next day New South had a show in Huntsville, and I showed up like wearing a big old <laughs> knee brace. I just like start wobbling up, and uh, Donnie Primetime is just like – what the hell are you doing here, man? I was like, there's a show. <laughs> so I think that showed everyone like, Hey, you know what? Maybe this guy does want to do this. So yeah. Proved your dedication doing all that first, first trips with a, with a torn plot. That's insane, dude. <laughs> and, th and then with commentary too, I just got thrown in on that. Uh, I was just ring announcing the pre-shows. Oh, we had a holiday show where we had a battle Royal where it was a bunch of our, uh, a bunch of our students that were in the battle Royal and uh, dump Sanders, our promoter was like, Hey, I think I want to put you in on commentary with Mose because you know, Mose doesn't know these kids like you do. And I was nervous as hell. And I got in there and it like, when I sat down, I was super nervous, but the second the match started, it was just, it just kind of flowed. And I felt like me and him had a good chemistry, like right from the get go. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it was a I, lot of fun. I have had I've had some off the record conversations with Mo's that involved you a little bit. Like me and him used to talk a lot because we used to do mm -hmm. a lot of like MMA podcasting together. So we'd just be sitting there and like calls, like you know, non-recorded, just sitting there. And during the pandemic, especially, we we're doing a lot of those shows together. Um, your name would always come up, and you would always talk about how enthusiastic you were. And also, um, I I if I remember correctly, you were very into Rhino Rhino's appearances. <laughs> no, it was a uh, Shark Boy. <laughs> Oh, that's what it was. Okay. My bad. My bad. Okay. It's, yeah. It started as a gag because at the time I had a podcast where two of my friends had never watched TNA before and they had just started watching because Kenny Omega came over and was challenging for the title. Right. Which that was all weird too, because I ended up working for impact the show that he won the title and like all that. But we started a podcast where I was basically showing them all the old TNA stuff. And it became like a recurring like gag on the podcast where, you know, Shark Boy would come out. He would lose to Abyss. He would lose to Monty Brown. He'd lose. And it's basically like a gag like, oh, come on, Shark Boy. I thought this was your time. So we ended up make we ended up putting out a tweet one year at Haas that Shark Boy saw. And then he messaged New South. He's like, hey, so uh, y'all want to bring me in? So he ended up coming in. So like we just continued the bid. I wore a shark boy mask on commentary. It was yes, that's ridiculous. Right. That's awesome. It was absolutely ridiculous in the best way possible.
I was getting that confused because Rhino was wrestling for New South around that time. Though. Yes. Yes. That's mm-hmm. why I was getting that confused there. And that, that totally makes sense. So speak a little bit more on the impact appearance. So with impacts, uh, this was still during the pandemic. Uh, at the time they were doing virtual meet and greets for their pay-per-views for their VIP since obviously couldn't have fans in attendance. So I was asked to, uh, provide audio for their, uh, virtual meet and greet so i brought some wireless microphones and i you know sat there monitored the levels during it and all that and while i was there i helped out with the ring crew and had a great experience was there for a few days ended up uh, a couple of us on the ring crew stepped out and we're watching the uh, kenny omega rich swan match and scott demore just walks up and he's like he looks back and said you guys are ready to be on pay-per-view and we're like huh <laughs> And next thing I know, there's just a camera pointing at us. So we're all just sitting there watching the match, camera right in our face, trying to pretend like it's not there. <laughs> oh, man, that's so cool. Did uh, did you have a background like in, because uh, I know, you know, with you being like, it's like audio engineer and graphic mm-hmm. design and that kind of stuff. Were you doing that kind of stuff pre-pro wrestling and it's just kind of worked mm-hmm. out to where this it's like a good space to be able to do all these things? So I was originally a vocalist in a band that toured around a band here in Alabama called Throne of Eden. Uh, We released an album, like we toured around, got to play with uh, Sister Hazel, uh, Saving Abel, like a couple bands like that. Nice. Uh, Shallow Side. I know they're doing some great things right now. Uh, Got to play with them. Uh, Went to college to originally learn how to record. And I ended up loving live audio a lot more. So I was working in live audio, working as a stagehand. Oh, Lord, I've worked from, let's see, I've worked local crew for everyone from Slipknot to Rolling Stones, Dave Matthews Band, obviously like WWE, AEW. So I was doing that beforehand and running audio. And then that's what got me into Southern Honor, helping with lights, which kind of snowballed into me helping out with New South. And now at New South, I mean... I set up all the production, I ring announce, I commentate, I do all the graphics, I edit all the entrance videos. <laughs> like, So it's it's snowballed rather quickly. <laughs> That's wild. So what's it like having, uh, what's the experience been like working for New South in all those capacities? Because I know it's Dump Sanders and it's Cabana Man Dan, right? Is, is... Uh, Dump Sanders and Brandon Williams. Brand- oh, okay. Lock, Locksmith. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Um, so... How, how is it like working for those two guys? Um, and I mean, obviously they've, they've, they've given you a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Man, it has been absolutely great. Uh, I love new South. I mean, I'm wearing the shirt right now. <laughs> I new South was something that I remember as a fan coming to watch and I'm like, okay, like this is a lot different than the other independents here in Alabama. And that's not like, that's not throwing shade on anyone, but like when I was going to New South as a fan, I mean, you had people like Austin Theory there and Baron Black and Odinson, like all these names that have gone on to, you know, <laughs> I, I joke around on commentary sometimes, you know, whatever happened to that Austin Theory guy? <laughs> sure. So um, seeing that, seeing all the production, seeing the video packages that uh, Chris McKinnis would put together, who used to be with New South, would always did excellent work seeing all this and i'm just like so wait like you can have wrestling that's not just like in a middle school gym with like a bunch of guys with beer bellies like this is 
this is cool. So I've always gone to bat for New South. And then once I became a part of it, it's they just welcomed me in like family. And, you know, over the years, you know, people have left and I've ended up taking up more responsibilities as it's gone on. And now, you know, I'm taking more <laughs> of a behind the scenes aspect as as well as on camera. So I love it. It's my baby. Yeah, that's very, very cool. So so I know you have a background now in um in everything leading up to like joining New South and and with audio and live live audio and all that stuff. When did you become an actual wrestling fan? Was it like a fandom oh, since man. like a long like way back or so my grandma used to tell me, God bless your soul. She said the only way I would ever sit still as a baby would be when wrestling was on the TV. Okay. And like, I immediately gravitated towards Sting. You know, he had the blonde flat top. He had the oh, colorful yeah. face paint. So apparently since I was literally a baby, Sting's been my favorite wrestler. And, you know, growing up, that never changed. I've got to work with him a few times now. It was <laughs> the weirdest thing at AEW in Nashville. I ended up getting put on the show call working as a stagehand, but I was on show call for it. And uh, like, obviously I got like a bunch of friends that work there. They're coming up and talking to me. We're all standing around watching. I think it was Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez, perhaps in a hardcore match. We're all watching on the monitor. And then here comes Sting full face paint comes stands right next to me we both look at each other nod and both standing there like arms <laughs> crossed watching the match and in my head i'm thinking like i was you literally every year for halloween like not like i was you occasionally like every single year i was sting did it evolve from like the colored face paint to like <laughs> oh, yeah. the black and white to the yes. red and black <laughs> it's <did. laughs> it awesome man I, I love that yeah, so is it safe to say you were more of like a WCW kid than WWF kid? I, I was not allowed to watch WWF. I was told it was absolute filth, and I was not supposed to watch it. So instead, I got to watch the NWO and all the cruiserweights, which a huge fan of the cruiserweights and ended up working recently with Juventud Guerrera. And then uh, later this year, I'm working a show that not only has Hoovy but also has Psychosis, which is like mind-blowing to me yeah i was explaining to the promoter uh i'm not gonna give away like what matches are happening or whatever but i was like the fact that you have both of these two people on this show when like growing up my brother and i would play nintendo 64 we'd always play uh wcw nw revenge yes always be a tag team and we would always be hoovitude and psychosis and i'm that. like dude this is this is perfect Dude, that's awesome. I can kind of relate a little bit with that where I've done a little bit of commentary, not much, but mm -hmm. I, I've done um, a little bit for uh, Championship District Wrestling, CDW yes. here in Atlanta, uh, Jameson Ryan and uh, Diamond Sheik and those guys. And they, um, it, Jameson just straight up asked me, he was like, hey, you know, do you have any, do you have any like preferred people you'd want to commentate for? I said, Ashley Dimbois, because I could see that yeah. she was going to be a massive She's star. Awesome. And I was like, if I can call a match now, I, I probably won't have another chance because she's going to be signed. And and I said, the cat, the cat Ernest Miller is going to be on your show. I said, that that's like, I don't even care what he's doing, but like anything that involves the cat, because I'm such a WCW mark that like, I'm just like you where I was like, I have an opportunity to call because uh -huh. I've got like 
I mean, I just happen to have the sitting here. I've got like a signed glacier mask over here in my yes. office. You can barely see the signature, <laughs> but like this guy, he signs it. Stay cool glacier. I was like, this guy rules. Of so course well. he does. Yeah. He, he, he has he, to. <laughs> he, he happened to be the lacrosse coach at my high school when I was growing up. Like it's the most small world thing ever. So like, so I knew him as Glacier, as a WCW mark, and then I'd see him walking around school as Coach Lloyd, and I'd like just like try not to mark out. I was about know? to say, I imagine there's a lot of that in the Georgia area. Just there's a lot of yeah. wrestlers there. Yeah, well, so like um the the people who watch this show are probably sick of hearing me talk about it, especially because of how prevalent he is currently. But I went to high school with Cody Rhodes. So oh, I'm I'm aware. So, <laughs> so so I so when we when we go to these wrestling matches, like we we'd have we'd have these matches we're on the same team and like every now and then with Dusty went to all the matches. So mm -hmm. I was always just awestruck just seeing Dusty just in general. But occasionally like the Steiner bros would pop in or like DDP would be there and it'd just be like, I have to wrestle in front of Diamond Dallas Page, like, oh my god, dude, no way. <laughs> This like, is your like, tryout. Yeah. Well, the funny thing don't is, mess up. You could be signed by WCW. The, the funny thing is, I've heard um Xavier Woods talk mm -hmm. about that on podcast before with Chris Jericho and Cody, where he was talking about how because him and Cody wrestled in high school, mm -hmm. and that was his big thing was he knew Dusty was going to be there. If I can beat Dusty's kid in front of Dusty, then Dusty's going to have to recommend me to the WWE, and then I can get a job, you know, wrestling for the WWE one day. Um so that's that go on and <laughs> <laughs> yes all the connections this is my good. shot yes so so that that is true though it's it's it was it was one of those things where like especially the atlanta airport mm -hmm. I, you know that was the first time i ever met i met kevin nash the first wrestler i ever met um Man. in the atlanta airport i still have the autographs behind me in this the white coolest. thing over here oh yeah he's he's the man um so like it, in like well, we had we had a neighbor who like did like the the curtains in the house of sting you know because he was like local and just like just random stuff like that but that's enough about that that's that's just that's funny though all the just the connections there with all that um and the wcw thing like so mm. who who were kind of like so sting i get that like there's a lot mm. of us who you know for me it was the macho man randy savage yes. in wcw i was also a wcw kid over wwf um, I know Sean Ross Sapp here at Fightful. He talks about it often. Sting, like he saw Sting for the first time. He got hooked on wrestling. Um, who else would you consider to be like a really big fan of? I know you mentioned some of the cruiserweights. I was a big cruiserweight fan as well. Who are some of your other guys? So watching WCW is weird. Like even as a kid, I was into the, you know, the mid card. Like I was really into Raven, Saturn, yeah. uh, the man whose name I'm not supposed to say. Of course, sure. uh, Obviously, all the cruiserweights. Like, I loved all the Lucha Libre. And then uh, Chris Jericho was a huge one, which yes. I've had the pleasure of working with him and his band quite a few times. I absolutely love Chris. He's Do you have any stories about that? Because in oh, my man. opinion, Chris Jericho is the GOAT. I think he's the best of all time, personally. Um, and I can only imagine what it's like working a Fozzie show. So uh, I did a couple music videos with him. I did uh, uh, Nowhere to Run and uh, Burn Me Out. And burn me out was the first one where I'm like, like, what the hell is my life? Cause I, I remember he walked in and he was just like carrying a bag of subway. And I'm just like, Oh man, I didn't, I was like, I didn't know there's a subway around here. He's like, yeah, man, it's right down the street. Like, here's how you get to it. And he just walked off and I'm thinking like, what the hell is my life? And then like the next music video, I walked in, he's like, Hey Carmen, what's up? And then oh, we sat down and ate Chipotle and talked about Metallica. Like, <laughs> and amazing. I, um, ran into him at a uh, AEW in Nashville and 
like I was telling some of the stagehands I work with, like, oh yeah, like, you know, I got some friends that work here and they're all like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then when Jericho walked by, he stopped, he turned around and said, dude, what's up? And like dabbed me up. And I looked back and all the stagehands were just like, what? <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah, Jericho's and the that's, man. That's crazy. Dude. Like, uh, top three favorite wrestlers of all time Sting, CM Punk, Jericho. And I've got to work with all three of them. And it's just like, it's just strange to me, like how quickly things have like turned in here. I've only been working in wrestling really full time for three years. Like already getting yeah. to do that. Like that's, that's wild to me. And it sounds like you've had, not that I would want you to have to like air this out if you didn't, but it sounds like you've had generally good experiences with like all these I've heroes of yours, which is like never, even better. Never had a bad experience with any of them. I, uh, I think I can, it's not released yet, but there's a, uh, certain TV show <laughs> coming out, uh, heels season two, uh, very first day on set, uh, is me, Braden Toon, Dylan McQueen, and then uh, one of our trainees at New South that were all standing around. Very first person to walk up to us was CM Punk. He walks up, was like, "Good morning, guys. How y'all doing?" And like, so pleasant to work with. I've never had a bad experience with him. I know. Uh... <laughs> I know there's a lot of stories, but like, I've never had a bad experience with him. Yeah. Um... So, I mean, you don't have to elaborate if you don't want to, but like, what do you have any like thoughts or opinions out that you, you want there as far as like him returning? Because obviously, him coming back to AEW is like massive news in wrestling and you working with him and everything. Kind of what do you feel about his big return and everything? I'm for it. I mean, there's a lot of money on the table right now, and I'm not sure if they, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but I mean, if they can get past it, I feel like that's a lot of money there ready to be made. And you look at other, you know, major sports, you know, people getting fights in locker rooms all the time and it's just, okay, let's, let's deal with it and move on. So I don't know. Like I said, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but sure. I think, I think it's a good thing bringing him back. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's definitely a wide range of opinions. A lot of people watching this right now know I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan, mm. but I am wearing a seashirt right now. I, did I was about to say, I yeah, saw the stars. I, I, I kind of, I was going to kind of troll and not even say anything about it to see if people picked up on it. But um, I am, I listen, I'm a big AEW fan. I'm a, I'm a day one fan. I'm obviously a Cody guy. I followed him when he started the company. I was literally at the first show. <laughs> there you go, double or nothing, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm a big supporter. I'm a supporter of like all wrestling, you know, I want everyone to succeed, but um, you know, I think AEW is a really important thing in the space of wrestling and it's something we didn't have since WCW for so long. So, um, you know, I just want what's best for the company. If, if CM Punk coming back is what's best for the company, then I'm, I'm for it. I might have my own kind of personal things here and there that like, I might not love about the guy, but mm -hmm. I'm also not blind to what you just said. Like it's, it's going to be big money and it's going to be super oh, yeah. interesting. And to be fair, like the less that I know about what actually happened and the less that I know about their their actual feelings toward each other is better for television like mm -hmm. you know it's better for me to not like to i i want that feeling of like if cm punk and kenny omega are in the ring together something might go bad yeah. you know, something might go crazy you know what i mean like that's where the like, money is man yeah it was like when when matt hardy came back to wwe and attacked edge and everyone yes. was like yo like what's gonna actually happen though you know like so mm. I, uh, I, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm very interested. I'm optimistic about it. I think it's going to be good television. I remember being like, 
I think I was around 13, maybe when the whole Matt Hardy edge thing went on. So like as a teenage boy, I'm just like, yo, what is going on? Like, this is, <laughs> this is sick, man. <laughs> I was like was telling wild. all my friends like, dude, you got to watch this. And they're like, why would I watch wrestling? And I'm like, dude, you got to watch this. <laughs> That's how I felt too. That was that was a lot of us. A lot of the people that are going to be in the chat watching this when this airs, like a lot mm -hmm. of us are in that boat where we thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like no one else cared, and it was just it was too bad that there wasn't like I'm like, no, this. you don't understand. He like he left, but now he's back. But we don't know like is he really back? Yes, yeah, he, like, he was yelling okay. "Ring of Honor" like out loud on on camera and on WWE television. Like, what in the world? It's like okay, I mean that's cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good, good times. That was already a long time ago. There's people that are listening to this funny. You know what we're talking about? Oh, that that hurts my soul. <laughs> it does so much. <laughs> There's people I interview sometimes, even like even I guess like I don't know if wrestlers that have that are young enough. I, yeah, I guess maybe some of them. Some of them like that I've talked to. You know, nothing they can do about this. It just is what it is. But like they mm -hmm. they were born after you know WCW and ECW had folded. So like they were you know born after that even existed, and it's just like. For me to have to put myself in that perspective, it's just a totally different I'll, point of view. I'll see someone like you know, like Hunter Drake wrestling, and I'm yeah. just thinking like, you are so like I, I was already like having these experiences like before you were even born. Like this is <laughs> so weird to me, man. <laughs> well, speaking of Hunter Drake and just kind of like the the wrestlers like on the come up right now, especially in mm -hmm. the areas that you're you know, you're involved. Um, who are some people? I mean, Hunter Drake, someone I've interviewed yeah. on this show. I think he's super talented. Um, and you know, we mentioned some others as well, the locks with Brandon Williams. So, you mm -hmm. know, some who are some other people that you uh you want to kind of put out there, whether they're veterans like been around a while yeah. or you know, just you know, kind of up and coming. Man, the southeast is like really brimming with talent right now. Like obviously Hunter Drake, I think of Braden Toon, Locksmith Brandon Williams, uh God, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> Brogan Finley is a name yeah. that comes to mind. Like, there are so many people, like, not just on the New South roster, but all across the Southeast that I watch. And I'm just thinking, like, this is incredible. Someone like Kylie Alexa, I'll, I'll throw her out there. She's been wrestling a little over a year <laughs> and is already, like, signed to the NWA, is, like, putting on, like, banger matches. Like, it's incredible, like, the talent that are down here in the Southeast. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It, it really feels like it's thriving. And it's it is wild with all the different like streaming platforms and stuff now, like IWTV and Fight mm -hmm. and everything else is like branching off. What's New South currently on right now? Right now, our shows are airing on YouTube. Right. Uh, that that may not be where we're at for too I, much longer, but sure. I gotcha. But I can't say I can't say much about that right That's now. That's okay. I gotcha. Um I know I've, I've noticed that um, that happening with quite a few promotions where it'll be like IWTV to like fight to YouTube for a minute to back oh, one of the streaming platforms. To, so uh, New South and MLW have just been like following each other around. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I'm once again, I'm all for like, you know, I want all the platforms to succeed. I want all the companies to succeed. I want the wrestlers, mm -hmm. everyone involved, the commentators, everyone. Did. I, I wish more people had that outlook. I know there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of clicks that kind of pop up and it's you know well i don't like these guys i don't like these guys i sincerely sincerely want like everyone in the southeast to thrive like we all bring each other up yeah yeah 100 
um, you know, what are, what are some other places that you, you want to work? I mean, I know obviously oh, I'm man. sure you have like big long-term goals, but what would be some, like some of your shorter term and maybe some of your longer term goals and, in, 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 you know, commentary, uh, in mm-hmm. ring announcing really anything, man, I've been fortunate enough to really branch out there so far this year. Uh, I've done 40 shows so far this year. We're only six months in and that's more shows than I did the entirety of last year. And I've gotten to work with, uh, you know, Terminus, uh, Jonathan Gresham's promotion, uh, Modern yeah. Grappling, yeah. Action, New South, TWE, all these places that I really love. Um, really trying to get out there more this year and travel around. Uh, Braden Toon and I are actually about to purchase some plane tickets here. Uh, he may have already purchased them. But to uh, fly up to New Jersey next month, we're going to do a little loop up there in New Jersey and New York City, hopefully, and then come back down for a New South show. So looking to stay busy, but uh, just off the top of my head, promotions like uh, Wrestling Revolver, absolutely adore their product. Love what I'm seeing there. Love to do more work with GCW. Uh, I've done some commentary and ring announcing for them. Would love to get out there more. I love what they're doing. Man, I just want to be, I just want to get out there on the road. I want to learn more. I want more experiences. I want to bring car loads with me. I want to, you know, get those experiences with friends. Like I love the Southeast. I love making those little three hour road trips, but it'd be nice to get out there a little bit more. Very cool. Uh, you know, you mentioned Terminus. I went to both of those shows as well. I think there's only been two so far, if I remember three. correctly. Three. Oh, that's right. There's... I was on the third one. That's right. There's been three Terminus. It's hard. It overlaps because I go to all the battle slams as well. And I know that's all, that's all barren. Um, Every time I ask, well, I know Jonathan, of course, with Terminus, mm-hmm. but but every time I ask Baron, I, I eventually just stopped asking him because I do these like quick, similar to GCW. After yeah. after I um, Battle Slam, I go around and get some audio, and I always do a, an interview with, <laughs> with Baron after the the Battle Slam shows, and I eventually just stopped asking him because I was like, I'd always ask, "So what's the next Terminus?" Yeah, man, like, I, yeah. I want to know the same thing. <laughs> and, he, and he always says news is coming soon and it's been like good. six months since the last time that he good. had any news so i'm hoping I, I remember he he hit me with the hey man do you want to be our official ring announcer i'm like yes absolutely and i was like when's the next show he said we're working on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, they, they got a, a big task ahead um they're doing the juneteenth like the whole weekend in centennial mm-hmm. park which is going to be yes, interesting man. um i don't know like what hours they're running or exactly how that's going to work yet um, cause I, what I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm assuming it'll be like outdoors or like a part yeah. of like the big, the big like festival and everything going on out there. Um, like, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get out there at least one of the days I know I have, I'll have to work Friday mm-hmm. and then Sunday is father's day. And that makes it tough. Cause I'll be with family, but on Saturday, if they're running at the right time, I want to get out there and check it out. Cause, um, Dude, sh- the talent that he brings in is absolutely incredible. I remember the Terminus show I did, like it was a who's who, you know, it's the first time I worked with Ian Riccoboni and Dave Prezak and then Kanosuke Te- Takeshita. Uh, you know, obviously John Gresham was on that show. It was stacked from top to bottom, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started uh, recording about action figures and, and collecting yes. and stuff. Um, one of the questions we ask everybody is the coolest thing in your room um, before, before you get to the coolest thing, cause I do want to know what that is. What, what kind of, what, like, what's your, um, like, what do you collect and like, where, 
I have I have like a legitimate sickness, I believe. Like I think that like <laughs> something is actually wrong with me at this point. The problem is, and this is I'm gonna sound like a kind of this might not come across right, but because of my my shoot job mm-hmm. and because I I'm single and I I live pretty like modestly, yeah. I have the expendable income to just spend on dumb stuff. So like <laughs> when I when I see was with me. But so when I see stuff that I like. I just usually just buy it, but it's like this kind of stuff, like signed action figures, mm-hmm. something most people would see and be like, dude, you are just burning your money. What a waste of your time and money. Um, how deep is it with you? And like, what are the things that you like to collect? So originally it started off as um, we did a couple of New South shows where we were bringing in some bigger names. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool to have an action figure of like Rhino or it'd be cool to have an action figure of shark boy or whoever it may be and it started off just as a shelf of people that i've worked with and that right. quickly started growing like the more shows i was on and eventually i was like okay like this is getting to be too much like i worked impact like i'm not going to get every single person <laughs> right. on the show like d- like do i need a you know a matt cardona and this and this and this and this so i'm like okay so like the bigger shows i'll get like the main event, like I've got a Kenny Omega and a Rich Swan, like stuff like that. It started like that. And then eventually I'd be like, oh man, that Rob Van Dam figure is really cool. Yeah. Oh man, that Jeff Hardy figure is really cool. And it got out of control quick and I, I had to pump the brakes. So a few months ago, I was like, I'm spending way too much money. Uh, I collected the all of the f- first five series of the AEW figures. Yeah. And those are locked away like, Hopefully, because I mean, when are you ever going to get on the ground floor of a new promotions toy lot? Like, oh, trust I me, like- I I have the whole first series signed and mm-hmm. loose. So yeah, I I I'm with you 100. percent Yes, I'm with <laughs> you. These are these these are investments, people. These, this is exactly yes. Smart <laughs> financial <Yes>. geniuses. <laughs> yes, stonks. But, but yes. I, I, I had to pump the brakes, man. I'm like, I'm spending too much money on toys. Like they're just sitting on my shelf. Like I'm having. You know, friends come over and they're looking like, how the hell do you have so many toys? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, this shelf is like all the people I've worked with. And what about this one? I'm like, no, I never walked. I never worked with Brock Lesnar, but like, it looks cool. Right. <laughs> I, I, that, that's, that's where it gets slippery. And I can, I can tell you this from experience is when you start, cause at first it's like, it starts small because it's just like, mm-hmm. you just, but it's all, little justifications that lead to like bigger justifications so oh, like yeah. first it starts off as like you know i'm just gonna like wcw figures and, and it's you like, have well, to adjust the rules right wcw and wwf well maybe just this era well maybe just this toy line will be and then uh, before you know it you're surrounded by action figures and your friends oh, yeah. think you're weird exactly just like you said so um now that said is the coolest thing in your room an action figure because i would like to see some of your favorite figures if you can show them and or your favorite thing in your room give me 10 seconds oh yes go i'll be it. right back i will be here all right that's pretty close that's probably right around 10 seconds for real I have completed my scavenger hunt. Awesome. Let's see it. I've got two things. One thing's wrestling related. The other is not. Okay. The first is a custom 
Carmen Michael ring announcing action figure. That's dope. I love that. Who the made sin- you that? Uh, is actually a fan that had made the original one. I've made some adjustments to it. But this is, sits on my shelf with all my people I've worked with. I love that. It's That's definitely awesome. it's definitely not Rusev on a Triple H body, <laughs> dude. That that's very cool. So, and you said a fan and a fan gave you that, and then you just crushed yeah. it up. So, the weird thing about being, I guess, in this like public eyes, like people bring me stuff, like people just bring me Sting stuff all the time. That's awesome. action figures, stickers, keychains. Like I had a fan. This bottle that I have right here, I had a fan bring it to me on my birthday for a New South show. And just like, just thoughtful, like bands that I listen to all over it. I'm like, like you pay attention to like what I'm posting online. This is cool. Hey, that's very cool. And speaking of music, my next thing, obviously I've got the Lincoln Park tattoo. Uh, <clears throat> favorite band of all time. I got to meet Chester a few times before he passed away. And <clears throat> I remember... I saw Lincoln Park in Tampa, Florida, I believe, and was talking to Chester, and I finally was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I, I gave the whole spiel like, man, you're the reason I'm a musician. You're the reason I sing. I don't care what it takes. One day I'm going to sing with you. And he just looked at me and he looked back and went, I like that. Fast forward like a month and a half, two months later. He came to Birmingham with Stone Temple Pilots when he was singing with them. Uh, he looks over, let's see, six songs in, <laughs> notices me, like does a double take and like storms across the stage, leans in with the microphone, and we both sing the chorus together. Oh, wow. And then after the show, he like jumps down. He's like giving high fives, hugging people. And he stops at me and immediately just like grabs me. And I'm like, I'm stunned for a second. And I was like, um, you know, the other day in Tampa, and he just leaned back and smiled and said, I know. And he went and got me the set list. Wow. And got me a guitar pick. Wow. Dude, that's, yeah, so, you can't top that. That's- so that's the coolest thing in my room. It stays framed and on the wall. Doesn't matter what comes on and off. Also got assigned my Chemical Romance poster from my, 13th birthday <laughs> nice that's Very different cool. times man I, the last day of being 12 years old was at a my chemical romance concert by myself <laughs> ended up winning meet and greet passes while i'm there and i just i had to borrow someone's cell phone because i didn't have one of my own called my dad's like oh hey by the way i'm hanging out with the band he's just like okay so, wow <laughs> different times <laughs> wow but i got a poster signed by them and like frank uh their guitarist like wrote me this big message like for my 13th birthday and all this so oh, i got dude. some cool stuff yeah that's awesome dude that's awesome man yeah i don't know if that can be talked um is there anything else that you want the people to know about you before we wrap up oh man i feel like i'm pretty much an open book <laughs> <laughs> yeah well let the people know where to find you uh social media do you have merch or anything out there uh yes i have a pro wrestling tea store currently uh as far as social media on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Carmen M. Childers. For any promoters that are out there, my resume is the linked post in uh, on Twitter. So it's the first thing you see when you open up my profile. So 
take a look at that. Consider bringing me in in a New South car load. That being said, follow New South on Twitter at New South underscore PW. Uh, I manage the YouTube channel, so also check that out. We got a lot of good content there, and uh, just stay tuned. We got some big stuff coming up. We got uh, GCW versus New South 2 on uh, June 25th in Florence, Alabama. Tickets are available now. I know so far they've announced the new GCW champion, Blake Christian versus Locksmith Brandon Williams. Then also uh, Rena and Sawyer versus Kinsey Page and Kylie Alexa. So, and we got some, we got some more bangers to be announced soon, but. Yes, very much looking forward to all that. And we will have links in the description that y'all can see below uh, to go support Carmen. Uh, Carmen, thank you again for joining me on the show today. Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much, man. We, we appreciate it as well here at Fightful. Um, thank you guys very much for watching and we'll be right back here on the spotlight. Hey guys, I'm back. Hopefully y'all can see and hear me. Okay. Um, thank you again to Carmen for joining the show and thank you again to SP three for filling in for Jeremy. Uh, once again, for everybody who may have missed it or came in during the interview, uh, please put your thoughts, prayers, good vibes, like whatever, whatever out there helps, uh, for Jeremy. Um, he lost his father this week and, uh, you know, love you, dude. I know you'll probably see this eventually, Jeremy, if you need anything, I know I've told you, just let me know. Uh, but I also know there's nothing I can really say or do that's going to make this any better. Like, I know this is something that, um, as someone who's lost a parent myself in the past, you know, I, I, it's, it's rough. It's very rough and it's a process and I'm here for you. You got, you got a lot of support, a lot of people here for you. And we really appreciate you, man. And everything you do here at Fightful and for us just as, as people, you're a great dude great family. I was happy that I got to meet your dad at your wedding. Um, thank you to everybody who watched today. Y'all can follow me on Twitter at fight talk underscore. You can use code fight talk and independent wrestling.tv. And, uh, and yeah, we'll be back here next week. Um, I'm not sure with, with what's going on. Like if Jeremy will be here next week with me, if like this, if it'll be like solo interviews or, or how exactly next week's going to go, but I do plan on bringing y'all an episode of the spotlight on Thursday morning, um, whether it be at 8.30 a.m. Eastern or 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So please keep a lookout um, on my social media. Um, I, I'll do my best to let you know as fast as I can on when the show will be happening. Um, and if Jeremy will be there or, if, you know, I'll need a fill-in, if SV3 will be back with me or how we'll do that. But we'll get it all figured out as we go. But what's most important is that Jeremy spends the time he needs to with his family getting things figured out and all that stuff. So no rush on any of that. want everyone to know that right off the top, like however much time he needs I'm absolutely totally cool with with what's going on as far as the time he needs. So we'll get it all figured out with the spotlight, but that is much more important. Real life stuff, family stuff always should come before professional wrestling and talking about professional wrestling. So um, thank you again to Carmen for joining the show. I see you in the chat. Thank you very much, man. That was a great conversation. And thank you all very much for watching the show today. Really appreciate it. Um, once again, we started at 8.30 Eastern uh, today, which was not really announced until the middle of the night last night because I was getting the show prepared so um that said i appreciate y'all please keep jeremy in your thoughts keep his family in your thoughts and y'all have a great thursday have a great weekend y'all will hear me next on the fightful select weekender podcast i don't know if that'll be on sunday or monday and the only reason it's been flopping by the way for people who who listen is because they've been running a lot of really good shows on Sunday nights recently. And sometimes I feel like I have to wait until those shows to record my show. So I won't be able to do it till Monday sometimes. And because I work a shoot job, sometimes I can't do it till Monday night. So it's one of those things where I try to get you all the weekend or every Sunday, but if I can't get it to you Sunday, I'll make sure to get you by Monday. So 
Um, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We appreciate that a lot. That's that's how you know a lot of us get paid by Fightful. Full transparency is because of those subscriptions over there to Fightful Select. And uh, please hit the like button and hit the uh, the subscribe button right here on the channel. Um, thumbs ups, comments, uh, all that kind of stuff really helps the channel, helps the algorithm, all that good stuff. I won't keep rambling. I appreciate y'all. I'm already late for my shoot job, so I'm going to go do that for the next nine hours. Y'all have a great weekend. See ya.